Can you be quiet, please? Thank you. Welcome to Pirate Radio Live. It's a me, a man, the Garcia. <laughs> Clip. Hey, man, good to see you, brother. Excitement time. Clamp down. Clamp down. Clamp down. Clamp down. Pirates going dancing, baby. They picked us last. They picked us last. And now we're going dancing. We're going dancing. How about those friggin' pirates? Now live from the Pirate Radio Studios in the heart of the Pirate Nation, here is your host, Clip Brock. All right, welcome in to a Monday edition of Pirate Radio Live. Clip Brock here inside the Pirate Radio Studios, coming to you today on Pirate Radio 92.7 FM in Greenville, 104.1 in Washington. You can find us on 1250, 930 online, pr927fm.com. And I believe we are back up and running on Facebook Live and YouTube. There's a lot of technical behind-the-scenes things going on, but thanks to Wes and Shirley and Big Dog and everybody chipping in, we are getting those uh, fixed and ready to go. It looks like uh, we are rolling today, so you can chime in on Facebook Live and YouTube and be a part of today's program. No Delcor Players Lounge today because the Pirates are practicing on a Monday ahead of NC State coming to town on Tuesday, hoping to catch up with Garrett Saylor, Carter Spivey, and Josh Groves on Wednesday's edition of Pirate Radio Live. We'll have... Uh, more Delcor Players Lounge coming up later on this week, but we do have, have a packed show for you on this Monday, including Ellery's chat with Dale Murphy. The Murph was in town at the Murphy Center and the Tiebreakers on Sunday. Awesome day. We'll recap that day in just a moment and everything that transpired, and you'll hear an interview with Dale coming up at 4 o'clock. Double B, Brian Bailey joins us in the second hour as well. And former Pirate first baseman Bryce Harmon is now a scout in the Philadelphia Phillies organization, and I saw him at Clark LeClaire a couple weeks ago. We're going to get him on the show to talk about his playing days here at ECU and what he's up to today as uh, he is carving out a, a niche for himself in the scouting world. So we'll catch up with Bryce Harmon coming up at 5 o'clock. Also, in about 30 minutes, uh, we're scheduled to talk to John Rosengren. He is the author of The Greatest Summer in Baseball History. And what is the greatest summer in baseball history? Is it all-day baseball games? (laughs) That would be Ellerby's greatest summer. But, like, I don't know, Sosa McGuire? uh, He is talking about 1973. And I get a lot of you get these emails, LRB, about yeah. guest ideas, and usually I check them out and say, "All right, probably not for me or the audience or anything." But I found this one interesting. It was like, "All right, yeah, let's get them on." Um, Nineteen seventy-three, and he, the bullet points, and he goes into detail in the book. But um, talked about Hank Aaron's, you know, his home run race and all that going on. George Steinbrenner purchased the Yankees that season which led to championships and a dynasty uh the american league went to the dh which kind of broke ranks with the national league uh pete rose edged out willie stargell and apparently a controversial mvp race reggie jackson uh mvp world series just a lot of stuff happened is anything um, with pete rose's name just on the up and up 
<laughs> or is it just like, you know, Pete Rose did this, and there's always a controversy. I wonder if he bet on Willie Stargell winning the MVP or mm-hmm. bet on himself. I don't know. But uh, just a lot of a lot of interesting things happened. So talk a little baseball history, 50-year anniversary of that 73 season, and John Rosengren will join us to talk about that. So got that coming up. Shirley Rhodes is here, Chandler Honeycutt as well, and Ellerby is to my left. Hello, everyone. Hello, Ellerby. What's up, Clipper? What's up? Hey, how we doing over there, Shirley? Everything so far, good? So far, so good. <laughs> a lot going on behind the scenes, but we are uh, we're up and running and rolling here on a Monday. So good stuff. All right, um, Jonathan, awesome job by you, and in correlation with that, awesome job by us as well uh, and, it and was, everyone. It was a full team effort. Uh, everything seemed to go smooth yesterday, and I know. It led to a lot of very happy Braves fans, Del Murphy fans, and, and just baseball fans in the area who were able to take part in the VIP event at Tiebreakers and then the dinner with Murph at the Murphy Center because uh, a lot of smiling faces, a lot of pictures on social media today. A lot of uh, adults got to meet their hero and also kind of tell their kid, hey, this guy was a great ball player back in the day. Also, LRB, and you'll speak to it, um, the legend is true. Dale Murphy, one of the greatest guys ever. Yeah, um, obviously a two-time National League MVP, but uh, definitely an all-time MVP in the game of life. I mean, I don't know if we'll ever run across another former athlete as nice as Dale Murphy. I mean, the guy was so accommodating and uh, was super friendly. And, I mean, MVP is this. About 24 hours before this event was supposed to happen, I got a text from his wife that his direct flight – from Salt Lake City, Utah, to Raleigh had been canceled. And they started working it. And they rebooked him on four different flights. He flew from Salt Lake City to Austin, to, from Austin to Houston, from Houston to Atlanta, and then Sunday morning from Atlanta to Raleigh. So he, he I mean, his flight got canceled within six hours. And they, I mean, they made it happen. A lot of people could have just been like, hey, we're going to yeah. have to reschedule. Um, not the way the Murphys roll. I mean, his wife had been a gym to work with all up until that point. But when she sent me, and I got this long text, just giving you a heads up, you know, my stomach dropped a little bit (laughs) because it's kind of hard to have a Dale Murphy event without Dale Murphy. But uh, Clip Carey, I don't know if he could have filled the shoes of of Dale Murphy, but uh, absolutely. Boy, the booing and tomatoes thrown and uh, vitriol, if that were to happen. Good grief. And and funny, here's how nice Dale Murphy was. He was like, I was this close if the flights weren't going to like, you know, we couldn't get one to work. I was going to call Bruce Benedict and see if he would come up and pinch hit for me for a little (laughs) bit. And then we would reschedule. So like, I mean, I mean, what a guy. I mean, we're going to get, he he was, he was thinking, you know, one more step above it all. That's the kind of person that people got to interact with when we had the Dale Murphy event. And uh, thanks to Tiebreakers for hosting the VIP meet and greet. And uh, of course, all the people that bought tickets and tables that came out to the Murphy Center. Uh, Dale was like, when he got done speaking, he he drove to the Masters last night. He was going to, it's the first time he's ever gone to uh, Augusta National. And he was going today with somebody that he met at an event last year um, that just wanted to invite him to go to the Masters. But um he uh, he said, "Oh man, I'll stay afterwards and talk to him." And he, sure enough, he did. He yeah. said he hung around the Murphy Center and basically walked out with with me and, and the last few people that were still in the Murphy Center. But uh, he he was just 
an incredible person. And he had a funny story about the Masters. I don't know if you heard it, but he was like, one time when he was with the Braves, he, he was like, I was like, I can't believe you've never been to the Masters. Then, of course, it dawned on me. It was like, well, it's always around opening day. But he was like, one time they did ride up there in a van. He was like, it was the way he tells it, it was like, it was me, Necro, Benedict. You know, he was rolling off four or five players and they pulled up on the grounds and uh, they asked him if they had tickets. So uh, there's a there's a van full of Braves. MVP. All, all the guys from Necro. the 80s. Yeah. And they turned them around because they didn't have tickets. So, uh, I mean, that's how tough. That, that was back in the 80s. I mean, that's how tough it is to get into the Masters. But uh, he had all sorts of great stories. And uh, I did an interview with him on Sunday. And uh, we're going to run that here at the uh, top of the hour number two. But uh, it, it was an incredible event. And uh, as I said, it was it was a lot of fun. And uh, I'm glad uh, we were able to do it. And I appreciate everybody here at Pirate Radio that uh, helped pull it off. He uh, had played in the state of North Carolina before. He said he recognized some names rolling in here. Said he played in Rocky Mount uh, before and yeah. uh, some other towns and Durham, cities and uh, against the Bulls at North Carolina. So that was cool. He uh, said that if uh, he said he's not planning on moving, but if he did, Greenville would be a nice spot. Uh, we had a great weather day for him yesterday. He didn't experience the heat or the cold rain that we've had uh here so like it was a perfect weather day uh but really liked this time around here really seemed to to like uh you know east carolina greenville the area and you walked into tiebreakers and you walked into the murphy center yesterday you saw all kinds of braves jerseys hats so this is still this is a, a lot of places in the country are probably braves country but definitely eastern north carolina and north carolina yeah my wife told me a funny story when he first got to the murphy center and it was funny that it was the murphy center and dale murphy but uh he, he was walking up the stairs and there was a guy and his son a guy about our age and his, a young son maybe nine or ten that were walking they were kind of looking for the bathroom and uh, they had both had braves jersey yep. on and uh Dale Murphy walks in and goes, hey, great jerseys, guys. In it. And I think it about gave those guys a heart attack because they were like, holy cow. It's like Dale Murphy is like it was kind of a funny moment. Uh, one of the stories my wife was able to tell me about about the event. But uh, there was all sorts of just his speech was great, too. Yeah, uh, he just he had a lot of good uh, points about, you know, being a great teammate no matter where you are and, and, and relationships and uh, believing in people. And uh, certainly, uh, it was a fun day. I, the one thing, my son uh, plays baseball, of course, and uh, I thought one of his one of his good advice slash funny one liners was, uh, "Hey, swing, always swing hard, because just in case you might hit it." Yeah. So, uh, good advice. So I, I told Hunter. Just swing hard, just in case you hit it. Yeah, uh, advice from a legend, Dale Murphy. So, really awesome. I enjoyed the Q&A portion where he's telling old stories about his playing days and who he hated facing, his favorite teammates, all that. So, uh, it was uh, it was great. The one with Glavin was funny. When, when, yeah, when, when Murphy I, got traded to the Phillies, he told a funny story how uh, Bobby Cox, uh, because they had thrown, the, the Phillies had thrown at Otis Nixon. And I because guess it, Otis Nixon was uh, the unwritten rule, stealing bases when they were up big or right. something like it was, that. It was one of the unwritten baseball yeah. rules. And so Dale Murphy, uh, so Bobby Cox was like, he when Glavin came in, he was like, all right, you're going to hit the next guy up. And so Glavin was like, all right. And he went over and looked at the lineup card, and he was like, hey, Dale Murphy's up. Because Dale Murphy had been traded to the Phillies. He's like, Murph's up next. And Bobby Cox was like, don't care. <laughs> you know, yeah. basically. <laughs> what like, I remember about that story, too, is Glavin was – was upset with Bobby Cox like he just wanted to pitch the game keep going right. he got he got ejected 
and he was upset that he was made to hit dale murphy i remember that part yeah, of the story yeah, and dale murphy was kind of funny he says i was in the batter's box and the first one came in a little tight i was like oh okay then the second one came in i backed up a little bit yeah then he was Glavin like, was throwing like lollipops to him yeah then then dale was like oh i get it now yeah like oh i'm i'm the i'm the i'm the bounce back guy here or whatever you know so it was uh he had he had some just really good stories and uh Man, it was it, it was fun. Those uh, those '80s Braves and uh, all the stuff that went on. It, it was it was a lot. It was a it was a special treat. And uh, we got to watch baseball with Del Murphy. We got to watch Braves baseball with Del Murphy, and they lost their first game of the season to the Nationals thanks to former Pirate commit Mackenzie Gore. Great starting outing for the left-hander against the Braves yesterday, and the Nationals beat the Braves. Also, at the same time, we're watching Houston beat ECU in a uh, game that went back and forth. We had to leave to go to the Murphy Center before the conclusion of that game. Kind of typical of the entire series, just a uh, it wasn't good baseball because there was a lot of errors on ECU's part, but all one or two run games, all back and forth, all going down to the late innings, and um, rough week for the Pirates as they go one and three. I'll say this: the the polls seem to like ECU more than ECU fans do right now. There's a lot of upset folks in the Pirate Nation. What's going on with this team? What's going on with the bats? Why aren't we getting it done midweek? Now we're losing weekend series. Pirates dropping the polls, but not that dramatically. I think still 12 in D1 and 15 in Baseball America. So uh, a big week ahead this week, obviously, with NC State coming into town. And then due to Easter, you've got Thursday, Friday, Saturday series at Clark LeClaire Stadium. Yeah, big week for East Carolina baseball. Four home games, of course. You don't have to. I mean, you say NC State. That's enough said. Uh, Big rivalry game on Tuesday. 530 going to be on ESPNU. And then uh, Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday at noon after the spring football game. So, uh, you know, one and three last week. But the, the tail of the tape, it seemed like with the Houston series clip, if you look at it, if you got stuck on the number four, you lost. So every time. Five, uh, four, five, four, six, four. Yeah. So uh, East Carolina, some, some just hard fought games. Just uh, the Pirates didn't come out on the right side of uh, two of the three. Yeah, and Monday is typically an off day for the guys, but uh, not today. Today was a practice day. I wonder. It could be because of losing series. It could be more so that they've been coming out a little flat midweek. So maybe well, wants to mix it up. And the schedule's different too this week. You are playing Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So it's not normally you're not playing Tuesday off Wednesday, off Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So, I mean, you can read a lot into it. I'm sure Cliff yeah. Godwin has his reasons why he's practicing today. And, uh, look, if he thinks he can make his team better and be more prepared to play Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, then uh, – that's why he's the head baseball coach at East Carolina University, and uh, this time next week we'll have a better answer of, uh, hey, look, if that helped or uh, if it didn't. Hopefully, uh, we'll catch up with the guys in the Delcor Players Lounge coming up on a Wednesday. Uh, coming up Tuesday, 3 o'clock, we'll open the show with ECU head basketball coach Mike Schwartz. He'll join me right here inside the Pirate Radio studios. We'll talk about year one for Coach Schwartz in Greenville. Um what met his expectations what uh what would he have changed what went right we'll talk about all that the off season uh how many scholarships are available right now attacking the portal all that so and we'll recap uh tonight's championship game with coach schwartz it will be uconn who has steamrolled everybody in this tournament against san diego state who had been smothering opponents defensively 
but man fau is really really good offensively and did about what they wanted to until late in that game on saturday and then san diego state hits the shot at the end to win it win it 72 to 71 so aztecs huskies in the championship tonight lrb will you be awake to hear one shining moment absolutely not (laughs) okay absolutely you can go ahead and write that one down and i may not be if it was a better matchup would you be no okay so i I don't think i've watched the national championship game in basketball since you were there probably i had i probably had to be there i don't know it's just been it's just nine o'clock on monday i i really i think i've said it for 9 20 on monday the the women's have the days right friday and sunday i mean i man the super bowl is on sunday for a reason starts at a decent time where everybody can watch it i mean I, i don't understand college basketball college football with their Monday night, and, and look, and, and and I get some of it because the football is going up against the NFL, and it's going to be hard to to battle against that in January. But uh, basketball, man, I I don't know if they want to look at some sort of Sunday doubleheader with the women playing at three and the men playing at six or something like that. That that might be, I uh, it, it's you know the, the, the you know the NCAA has it all figured out. Clip, they have all the answers. Oh yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, so that'll be coming up tonight, San Diego State, UConn. You can hear it if you're out and about right here on Pirate Radio. LRB will let you run. Sounds good. I'll be back later in the week. Let me know what the homework's going to be for uh, what we're going to talk about. You and Chandler talk about it. I was thinking then, about it yesterday. And, and I'm, then, I'm, 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 I'm stumped right now. So uh, we'll come up with something. We'll figure it out for uh, Thursday. All right, we'll talk to you then. We'll take a break, come back. More to go. Pirate Radio Live coming up in about 15 minutes. Planning to check in with John Rosengren, the author of The Greatest Summer in Baseball History, recapping the 1973 MLB season. So we'll get to that. You'll hear the Dale Murphy interview uh, LRB conducted yesterday at around 4 o'clock. Brian Bailey, 4 o'clock hour. And former Pirate Bryce Harmon now scouting with the Philadelphia Phillies organization. So got all that on the way on a Monday edition of Pirate Radio Live. Back with more after this. You're listening to Hour One of Pirate Radio Live. Now, back to the show. Welcome back as uh, Shirley is completely and utterly unprepared for this segment. Welcome back. Order Jersey Mike subs on the mobile app and get delivery right to your home or save time at Order Ahead to skip the line to pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's a sub above. Now let's head back in to PRL. Here is your host, Clip Rock. Back with your Pirate Radio Live here on a Monday. No Delcor Players Lounge today. ECU uh, baseball at practice today. Hopefully you can catch up with the guys coming up on Wednesday. Rough weekend for the Pirates. Just back and forth games with Houston. One went their way. One did not. As ECU uh, had a lead going into the ninth inning on uh friday after some great great pitching from trey savage as he went six innings allowed two earned runs uh, on three hits had 13 strikeouts for ecu and 115 pitches thrown but houston is able with two strikes to uh to get with two outs two strikes in the ninth get the tying run in they end up winning it in the bottom of the 10th on saturday uh pirates were able to pick up the win 
and it looked uh, very similar to the previous game. Uh, Carter Spivey got into the fifth, went four and a third, giving up two runs. Uh, saw Landon Ginn give up a couple of runs, and Chandler's guy, dealing Danny Bill, picking up the save for ECU on Saturday as they win that one five to four. And you had um, Josh Moylan, who uh, came up big for ECU with a, uh, a two run double in that game. Carter Cunningham has moved to the leadoff spot and uh, saw him get a hit in that game as well. And then on Sunday, we were watching some of that one at tiebreakers and man kind of a tough luck moment in the fifth inning unearned runs for josh grows as jacob starling commits an error and then next batter with two outs boom uh two run shot that gave houston a three nothing lead jacob starling you got to make up for your mistake and he did that with a graded bat where he just kept hitting towering high fly balls foul down the left field line and then straighten one out enough to hit his fourth home run of the season pirates battled back got a four to three lead but then a three-run homer in the seventh inning was the difference six to four the final score uh josh Groves went five innings starting just three strikeouts for him no walks that's a really good number for josh Groves. had one earned run and without that error uh his numbers and maybe the game uh would have looked different but uh, he could not uh, get the win. Wyatt Lunsford-Shinkman actually uh, got the loss for ECU. Uh, had three strikeouts, but uh, did give up the earned run. And uh, so Pirates now looking for answers here after going one and three last week. Another midweek loss and their first weekend series loss uh, of the season to the Houston Cougars. Chandler thoughts on ecu baseball yeah i mean it's just i guess it's that time of year where you're going to have some of these losses uh last year it happened a lot uh in the beginning of the season this team was uh what 11 and 10 around this time last year and um you know it's, it was a tough week last week uh with your uh what's been a, a trend this year with the midweek loss and then uh what hasn't been a trend this year and that's a, a weekend series loss but the good news is is that the Pirates have a chance to bounce back tomorrow against a really good opponent in NC State. The good thing with that is it's at Clark LeClaire Stadium, so hopefully people can get out to the ballpark tomorrow and cheer on the Pirates, maybe see a crowd like we saw earlier in the year with North Carolina coming to town. I know it's a Tuesday night, but I think that EC fans can show up and kind of help this team hopefully get out of the midweek slump and then bounce back Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, that's right. It's uh, – kind of a uh, mixed up schedule this this weekend due to Easter being on Sunday. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you'll have a chance to back, bounce back and uh, conference play with UCF. So hopefully they can do that. Yeah, and uh, busy weekend. By the way, Tuesday is at 5.30. So uh, we'll have the be watching the last uh, the first 30 minutes of that, the last 30 minutes of our show on Tuesday. But a busy weekend because you've got the spring game at 11 and – I didn't really think about it till Bailey earlier today said, what are you doing for the spring game? I said, yeah, I'll go out there and check it out. And I said, what time's baseball on Saturday? And he said, noon. And I said, okay, well, I will not be out there checking it out because I will be uh, over at Clark LeClaire Stadium and I have to get there around 11. So uh, going to be a lot going on, weather permitting, on yeah. Saturday with the Pirate football and ECU baseball. Yeah, it's going to be a very fun Saturday. Uh, hopefully the, the weather can hold off because right now I know it's not looking too well um, when it comes to rain and that kind of stuff. And uh, But, yeah, I mean, it's a tradition like any other, or unlike any other, 
that is the spring game, the Purple Gold spring game, and the, the festivities that go with that on Friday night with the Parade of Pigs and uh, all the delicious barbecue you're going to see and, and consume on Saturday. You got the uh, Shirley's favorite, the, um, the the equipment sale that morning at 9 o'clock, which is very popular. Um, so, yeah, a very fun day with football and then uh, got some baseball uh, early that afternoon. I don't, know, I don't know if you did it on purpose, but uh, a tradition unlike any other is the tagline for the Masters, which is also this week and this weekend. Yes, that's right. And talked to Mully yesterday. Uh, he said we're going to do some type of pool, and we will be doing that tomorrow during the show. Cool. So at least uh, look up a leaderboard, rankings, okay. odds, whatever you want, because we'll be likely picking some golfers coming up on a Tuesday show. All right, sweet. I'm, I'm excited. I, I didn't think uh, I had to be quite honest with you. If you could lower your voice a little, be nice. Hello, friends. Hey. Am I hey. speaking really loud? Hey, Jim. No, when this music's on, you have oh, to you quiet talk your voice. Like this. Yeah. You talk very quiet. But, uh, yeah, very excited uh, about the Masters, and I'm very excited about being in another pool because um, I didn't think that that would ever happen again with what happened last year. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm being serious. So I'm well, I will not be running it. I, I don't know. Mully, it felt like it was over. I know, and uh, but he is a forgiving man, and we'll be uh, we'll be doing something. Uh, kind, kind of bummed out about Jim Nance uh, calling his last Final Four, his tonight? last championship tonight, and I'm I'm not a huge like Jim Nance is my guy, guy, my guy, but he is awesome. I think it's just because he's not over the top. He's not bad. He's just constant. He's just there. He's in your living room. And he's got that that feel good voice. Like when you I, when I hear his name, I think about sitting on the couch and watching a Masters. Or he's got a big game voice, definitely. Yes. Um, those big time moments. When you think about big time moments in sports, you really think of Jim Nance and those awesome calls. Uh, my favorite with Jim Nance is when Tiger Woods won the Masters back in 2019. It was like his comeback. It, um, the return to glory is what he said as yeah. Tiger knocked down the putt. And uh, But Jim Nance, he is a legend for sure. Yeah, he's always got the kind of pun, punny phrase uh, after championship games. And you can't, <laughs> you can't be serious or yeah. uh, whatever he's going to go with tonight. There was a guy, I can't remember. I don't think it was Ion Eagle. I can't, and it definitely wasn't Jim Nance. It was one of these up-and-coming guys, I want to say, during March this year. Uh, when FDU knocked off Purdue. Yeah. And he said, FDU, believe it. Yeah. Like, those kind of calls are really cool. And those are calls like that guy will have and help him propel to a level like Jim Nance. I really uh, enjoyed the broadcast on Saturday. Grant Hill's good. Bill Raftery is the best. Like, Wait a minute. I, I, I hope he keeps rolling. I haven't heard if he's going to retire or not. But uh, they got a good three-man group for the Final Four and uh, for tonight's championship game, which you can hear right here on Pirate Radio. All right, um, Shirley, we have uh, John on the line. So uh, we are now going to go out to the Pirate Radio live line and talk to John Rosengren. He is the author of The Greatest Summer in Baseball History and uh, looks like a, a very interesting subject. Wanted to get John on and, and talk about it. John, welcome to Pirate Radio. How you doing, sir? 
Hi, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yes, and uh, let's get a little bit about your background first before we talk about the book, John. Uh, so uh, tell us about yourself and uh, your baseball background, your, your background as a writer, and, uh, and what we need to know. Well, I'm a freelance journalist. I've been at this for about 40 years since my senior year in high school, and I've written for publications like The Atavist, The Atlantic, GQ, Sports Illustrated, uh, The New Yorker, Washington Post Magazine, uh, more than 100 publications, and have done 10 books, uh, including uh, four about baseball. And this one is actually a reissue of a book that came out in 2008 um, about the 1973 baseball season, and the publisher thought there'd be renewed interest on the 50th anniversary of the season, so they put out the greatest summer in baseball history, how the 73 season changed us forever. And I was looking at the bullet points of this. Okay, what what makes this summer, this particular baseball season, different from the others? And some pretty monumental changes and things happened to shape uh, the way baseball w- looked like and, and baseball was played uh, really since then, especially when you think about the the AL going DH, which now both leagues are DH, and that is a recent change here in baseball. But we can run over some of these bullet points, but what kind of stood out to you most about that summer that made it an interesting topic for you, John? Well, this was a season like no other. As you mentioned, the designated hitter rule was put into effect, and that was the biggest rule change in 80 years in the game. George Steinbrenner bought the Yankees and brought with it the infusion of big money into baseball, which changed the game forever. And then Hank Aaron was chasing Babe Ruth's iconic 714 career home run mark against the backdrop of uh, racism and uh, encountering a lot of resistance and prejudice. And uh, the nation was riveted on that pursuit during the summer of 73. And then you had the Mets coming from last place at the end of August to uh, get into the World Series, take the A's to seven games. And uh, the A's were this, you know, bawdy, uh, rambunctious, uh, rowdy circus of a baseball team run by Charlie Finley and um, led by Reggie Jackson, who became the prototype of the modern superstar Kind of Reggie, Willie Mays, who was on the A's, passed. Uh, sorry, on the Mets, passed the torch to Reggie Jackson in that World Series. Um, and so, it, there's baseball before 1973 and baseball after 1973. I think this was a watershed year, and that's what drew me to the story uh, and made me want to tell it. Yeah, really interesting talking to John Rosengren on the Pirate Radio Live Line. And John, speaking of uh, kind of baseball history, cool day around here in Greenville, North Carolina, yesterday as Dell Murphy. Uh, came to town and uh, Pirate Radio brought him here and he uh, we had a, a VIP uh, meet and greet chat uh, at a sports bar here in town so we watched some Braves baseball with Dale Murphy and then he went over and spoke uh, at an event told kind of his story and also did a Q&A and he was asked uh, you know who who did a two-time MVP look up to growing up and uh, Murph said he was from Portland, Oregon lived in uh, the Bay Area for a little while and so he uh, latched on to Willie Mays. He said, Hank Aaron is, is his all-time favorite, but coming up, uh, Willie Mays was his guy. It's always interesting to hear who great players uh, like as their greatest player, and we found out those answers from uh, Dale Murphy yesterday. That is interesting, uh, but also no surprise, right? Because Willie Mays, some would say, was the greatest player of all time, um, and uh, you know he's a 5-2 player, could do it all, and uh, unfortunately, at the end of his career in 1973, when he was with the Mets, he was just a shadow of himself, though he did manage to come through in the clutch uh, occasionally, and uh, including with a game-winning hit 
for in the final game of the National League Championship Series to capture the pennant for the Mets. So it was a, a great time to uh, in baseball and uh, you know final show for uh, Willie Mays on that circuit. John Rosinger joining us. Uh, John, if people are interested in this book and in that season, I know we, we've got a ton. Baseball is king around here uh, in, in Greenville, North Carolina. Uh, how can folks pick up your book? People can order it online at Amazon. They can order it at Indie Bound, that's I-N-D-I-E Bound, which will get them the book through an independent bookseller. Or, of course, they can stop in at their local independent bookseller, Barnes & Noble, and ask for it. And they can even go to the library. And if the library doesn't have it on the shelves, they could ask for it. And uh, if libraries get enough interest, they'll order the book. John, uh, you mentioned your other books. I uh, know one here, um, Blades of Glory, the true story of a young team bred to win. What, so what uh, is baseball your your favorite sport? What other sports interest you enough to, to write about to cover? Well, I grew up in Minnesota. And so here, hockey is religion, the way football is in Texas or basketball in Indiana. And I could skate as soon as I could walk, like most Minnesota boys and now girls. And so I decided I wanted to tell um, the story of a high school hockey powerhouse and followed a team for a season and wrote that book, Blades of Glory, which is basically Minnesota's Friday Night Lights. That's really neat. And I see you are a, a Twins fan and from Minnesota. And when you hear Twins, people will think Kirby Puckett or maybe more recently, Tory Hunter, Joe Maurer. I think of Kent Herbeck, and I still hate him for the World Series there in the early 90s. Uh, John, as a Braves fan, when I was a kid, I thought Kent Herbeck was the worst person uh, on the face of the earth. And the way he pulled Ron Gant's leg. Yeah, exactly. I love that here in Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> a legend there, hated here in the South. But uh, but that that's part of it, man. That's what makes sports and baseball great. You you got these legends, these villains, these heroes, and they live on forever, right? Right. Well, let me tell you a little, quick little story about Ken Herbeck that maybe will uh, soften your uh, <laughs> I had to interview Joe Maurer uh, for a story I was doing a few years back, and um, I was home with my son, and so I, uh, I didn't want to leave him home alone. He was like seven, eight years old at the time, so I said, come on uh, with me. And I brought him with me down to Target Field, and I was going to talk to Maurer before the game, and they wouldn't let my son, you know, the youngster, go into the clubhouse. And so I said, okay, sit here, wait, wait for me outside. I went in, got my quote, came back out, and my son is talking to Kent Herbeck. And um, Herbeck had just happened to walk by and see my son sitting there, and he sat down and uh, started talking to him. And my son had no idea who he was, but, um, you know, he told him who he was and gave him a ball. And um, I just thought it was kind of a sweet gesture on yeah. his part to, you know, take time out of his day to talk to a kid. Oh, man, I hate hearing that the guys I hate in sports are good guys in real life. But, uh, no, that's great. I'm sure he is a, a great guy, but always remembered here for the Ron Gant play. And uh, and that team, that was a really good team. I remember uh, Jack Morris uh, having a fantastic effort uh, in that World Series and Dan Gladden and Kirby Puckett. I still remember that. Man, that was, uh, that was part of my childhood. The Braves ended up getting one World Series, but really thought they were going to get that one against the Twins. And I guess, uh, John, is that the last championship for the Twins? I guess it would be, right? It is. Yeah. Uh, they've just won two, 87 and 91. Um, but I remember that Braves team, too, and they were stacked, especially yeah. the pitching staff and with Glavin and Smoltz and Maddox. I mean, they were really fun to watch. Um, so that was a great series, I think. You know, went down seven games that final uh 10 inning uh, final uh game seven so that that was exciting too 
John, uh, anything uh, next on your agenda? What are the other topics you want to explore and uh, potentially write about? You know, I write about a variety of subjects. I just did a story on the Iditarod, which is the slug race <laughs> yeah. in Alaska that just came out um, a couple of weeks ago. And, um, you know, I'm, now I'm, I'm talking with my editors about some other possibilities um, and, and trying to find, uh, you know, that next great story. Well, John, uh, great to chat with you, and this is a, a very interesting subject. And for you baseball fans, historians out there listening, uh, you can pick up the greatest summer in baseball history. And uh, once again, John, uh, tell folks how they can get that. It's available online you know, uh, at Amazon or IndieBound. It's also available in bookstores and at your local library. John, thank you for joining us. Enjoyed the chat with you, and uh, we will maybe catch up with you again uh, when your next great book comes out. But thanks for joining us today. Well, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it. All right. There is John Rosengren bringing up some bad memories for me as a kid watching Braves Twins. But that, uh, and again, we get these emails about people wanting to come on and promote what they got coming up. A lot of it is like non sports related. So I immediately uh, <laughs> delete it from my, my email box. But this one sounded in just so many changes uh, during that 1973 season and headline events going on and a very interesting topic so check that out folks if you're a baseball fan greatest summer in baseball history 50 year anniversary of 19 uh, the 1973 season and everything that happened during that season which still have implications on today's major league baseball all right um checking in with our facebook and youtube crew what's up steve good to see you pike is uh checking in with us today pike's been part of the um the watch alongs and the show um uh we got travel so we had a um dale murphy travel hell story from ellerby earlier susan deans our resident panthers fan and uh listener to the show was out uh, of the country and was traveling she said atlanta to rdu was hell on wheels yesterday <laughs> so she was experiencing some of that as uh, as dale murphy was um chad speaking about jim nance said when you hear jim nance say hello friends you just feel safe i'd agree with that and uh he's not over the top like i said he's definitely got that voice for the mass he's got different voices for different games but from him to the masters to the championship tonight to nfl sunday he he's has a Jim Nance staple on it, but but does them all a little bit differently. He has like an alter ego for each sport. Somewhat, it's still Nance, yeah. but it's like and it's his voice branches of Nance volume and a different yeah. level of excitement. Brand Nance branch. Yes. Yeah, and uh, he's the the master of it. Um, Jerry says Jim Nance's first Masters is when Nicholas won in 1986. He asked Tom Wisecrop, I'm sorry if I'm getting that name wrong. Oh, Wisecrop, Cop, uh, who lost the famous Masters duel to Jack in 1975. What's Jack thinking right now? And he replied that if he knew what Jack was thinking, he would have won the tournament. Uh, there you go. Good story from Jerry there. Uh, we got Randolph tuning in. Boom, boom, fellas and Shirley. Hit those likes, folks. Yes, sir, Randolph. Yeah, if you could uh, give us a like, we'd appreciate that. Hit that thumb that'd be nice chuck says the mighty murphy 82 83 mvp should be in cooperstown he is like the poster child for the hall of so close like right there 
he brought up an interesting point yesterday. I don't know if you caught this or not, but I did because the more I thought about it after he said it, I was like, you know, he kind of has a point where he talked about how he felt like uh, Ted Turner, Ernie Johnson, and Skip Carey all should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame because of what they did to grow the game of baseball. Because back in those days, you uh, you know, I remember growing up, you only got to see baseball once a week. And if you were lucky and had cable, uh, you know, it. like we've talked about and we joke about all the time, if you had TBS, I mean, you know, Ted Turner was the one that decided to put baseball on a regular basis on cable, and he was one of the first to do it. America's team, the Atlanta Braves, and then you had WGN as well. Yep, and, WGN. But, which was mostly Cubs. They'd show a little White Sox. But yeah. yeah, Braves, if you're a Braves fan, and this is how I became a fan, I'm sure your family... Uh, I grew up a Braves fan. Yeah, uh, others that you, you watch TBS. You get to watch every single game, whether on the West Coast or whatever, and you could argue that they did more then than they're doing now yes uh tonight i'll watch the braves take on burley and the cardinals and it'll be well i did get to see it yesterday because i was at a sports bar but the first time i'll be able to watch them in my home because of the stupid blackout rules yeah which (laughs) is silly yeah so i mean you could watch more baseball back then than you could now almost uh, when it came to the braves anyway yeah and you could also watch day night baseball because wgn would also have day baseball games you know the cubs would play during the day so yeah. you could watch a you know an afternoon game like when you got home from school it'd be about halfway through and you could watch a cubs game and then later on that night you could catch the braves playing whoever um so I, he brought up that's a really good point charlie that yeah. he brought like uh, ted turner should be in yeah he made a nation of baseball fans definitely a region in the south and when you think about television broadcasters when it comes to baseball you know i mean you think about guys like harry Carey and skip Carey and ernie johnson i mean those guys names are very very synonymous with watching baseball on television and jonathan mentioned one more that i did watch uh on cable in the 90s uh, home team sports would show the Baltimore Orioles HTS. In the uh, I don't remember home team as much, but I do remember watching the Braves games because my mom was a huge Dale Murphy fan, um, and uh, we so we you know if the Braves were playing, we were watching it, and that's really where I got my love for baseball uh, was watching the Braves play. Even though back then they stunk and they weren't very good but like we said uh, that and i honestly believe that's why you have such a large contingency of Braves fans definitely because they were the ones that had the most exposure at the time chad says uh, right after jonathan don't forget when we got cable uh, they had hts had all the orioles games hts showed the o's the caps the washington bullets and had a lot of washington redskins like studio shows so i was a big hts watcher uh, back in the day as well well the cool thing too is i have my own murph story uh and and and, uh, clip you actually saw me get pretty giddy about it is uh earlier in the day uh dale had come to the studio and we had to do some things here and i got a chance to to meet him face to face at that point for the first time and i walked up to him and i said um, I, you know, it's an honor to meet you. I said because my sister is named after you. My mom is a huge Dale Murphy fan, and he was like, "Are you kidding me?" And I said, "No." I said, "My my mom married a Murphy, and uh, so when she found out that uh, 
she was pregnant with her second child at the time she was say she made it very clear that whether it was a girl or a boy it was going to have the dale murphy name so my sister when she was born she was named jeanette dale murphy and he was kind of taken aback he said i've never met another dale murphy before and i said well i said if my sister was around you'd meet her and uh, he said well we got to autograph something and i wasn't prepared because i was under the impression he wasn't going to do any autographs so i didn't have anything so when we got to tiebreakers i kind of looked around like because he said it again he saw me a second time he said we got to make sure we get your sister that autograph and i was like well what am i going to get it on a napkin i mean what am i going to do and we had those tickets that you know we had for each table and so i said well i'll just have him sign the back of that ticket and so um i walked up to him when he had a free second from taking uh, pictures and i said uh dale the only thing i've got is this he said will this work and he said absolutely and he said now is it spelled the same way i said "It, it is spelled the exact same way and uh, so he signed it to Dale Murphy, all my best, Dale Murphy. And I called my sister, and she absolutely freaked out. And uh, so she's going to get that autograph. Uh, and she says she's going to put it in her baby book because she just found it over the weekend, ironically. And it has it listed that she's named after him. I, uh, I was very confused when you showed me that because it said to Dale Murphy. And I was like, who's giving Dale Murphy an autograph? right but it was dale murphy to the other dale my sister so it took me a minute it took my brain a second to click oh okay very cool yeah she was extremely excited and then i showed my mom uh and of course my mom hasn't seen dale in many many years as far as you know um pictures and things like she remembers him in the the number three uniform you know his young self so when i showed her the ticket i said look 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 you know and i said Here's the really cool part. And I showed her the picture that I took of me and Dale. And she said, geez, he's old. And I was <laughs> like, well, mom, <laughs> it's been a while since he's played ball. So, uh, but she didn't recognize him at first. But what yeah. she did, she was really ecstatic about it. All right, let's get a break in. We'll come back. Uh, Kaz enjoyed the MLB opening weekend. He said, uh, great games. He said, the O's loss was brutal. Well, unless you're a Red Sox fan, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, and which one? Yesterday or the day before? I think he's referring to the day before when uh, the Orioles dropped a fly ball. Kind of the same situation ECU went through yesterday. Dropped fly ball that would have ended it. And then a bomb uh, to end the game. So Orioles uh, look like they were going to kind of run through and uh, win that series against Boston. Not so fast. O's lose two out of three. O's uh, back at it against the Rangers, who swept the Phillies over the weekend. Can I make a hot take? Uh, yeah. You'll see Connor before the year is out as right. an Oriole. Connor Norby, two home runs already? Yep, two home runs on the season. He hit another one yesterday. He went two for four with two RBIs, so... He had a monster game over the Durham Bulls. And shout out to Burley uh, for his home run yesterday off of Chris Bassett in the Cardinals win. And uh, Burley went three for four yesterday. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, awesome stuff as we follow our former Pirates. We'll take a break, come back, wrap up hour number one when we return after this.
You're listening to Hour One of Pirate Radio Live. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. University PC Care has been Pirate Nation's go-to IT expert since 2006 and are the local tech support experts for any of your business needs. Let University PC Care take care of it so you can take care of business. Visit universitypccare.com to learn more today. Now let's head back in to PRL. Here is your host, Clip Rock. Back with you, Pirate Radio Live. Coming up in our next segment, you'll hear Ellerby's interview with Dale Murphy from yesterday. And I will hear it as well. I have not heard that yet, so looking forward to that. Also, in hour number two, Brian Bailey will join us on the program. Had a great Brian Bailey show earlier today with Jules Montaner, the new cornerbacks coach at ECU, ahead of the spring game. So if you missed it, you can check that out at six. We'll talk some football, hoops, baseball, and more with Brian Bailey coming up in hour number two. And in the third hour, you'll want to check out Bryce Harmon, who uh, I saw at Clark LeClaire Stadium a couple weekends ago. And he is now a scout with the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, he was checking out the Missouri State center fielder and also Josh Gross on that Sunday amongst all the other players out there on the field. And uh, we'll catch up with Bryce, talk about his playing days, talk about uh, what he's doing now. And uh, he is uh, – it's just it's really cool to cover ECU players and then see them when they grow up and become men and women. And I saw Bryce – and did not recognize him he walked in and he looked like somebody's dad or uncle up there because he was always tall but now he's just like he's been in the gym he's got a full beard like he's just a grown man and uh he had to he said hey clip and i was like hello and he said bryce Harmon." and i was like whoa all right so uh talked to him a little bit there but gonna pick his brain about scouting and uh ecu baseball and more coming up in the five o'clock hour we'll wrap up this hour so uh we had the dale murphy event yesterday i walk into that and by the time i walk out i realize that everybody in the world watches women's college basketball i had no idea it's crazy where have all the fans been hiding i I was watching it while we were at the dale murphy event i know you're a women's college basketball fan i did not know everybody else in the world was everybody and their mama and they have an opinion on what transpired at the end of the championship game between LSU and Iowa. And I am not the one for this topic for two reasons. One, I didn't know who Angel Reese was until yesterday. Uh, and the only players in women's college basketball I can name are Caitlin Clark and the girls on uh, ECU's women's team. So I'm not, you know, I don't follow it. So that's one reason it's not my topic. The other reason is because I love junk talk. It makes it more interesting. I want my team, I want the Washington players to hate the Cowboys as much as I do. I want the Braves to hate the Phillies and Mets as much as I do. I want my team to hate the team that I hate more or as much as I do. And it doesn't work like that because they're real human beings and they know those people and they're friends and that's what, but my sports brain wants my team to hate the enemy as much as I do and look at them as an enemy. So I love junk talk. I love I, I love taunting. I love it. You're out there on the field. You beat your man. You I, I love uh, when Washington torched Dallas on Thanksgiving. 
and uh, Pierre Garcon and Santana Moss are looking up at the Cowboys fans, talking to them. Oh, I love it so much. Uh, when Sean Taylor would hit a receiver over the middle, stand over him, that got me fired up. Uh, sportsmanship. T-O, do uh, your sportsmanship after the game. You talk junk and then shake hands or whatever. During the game, I love junk talking. T.O. going to the middle of the store. Yeah, and it was great. You know why? Because Teague, George Teague, was that his name? Ran all the way down the and field hit and hit him. It, it was great. Did that not make that more interesting? Did that not get you more into the game and want to see what happened next? It was awesome. I love that stuff. Why did Angel Reese do the you can't see me? Because Caitlin Clark did that. She was doing it literally the whole Final Four. She, they are, CB, uh, ESPN had a promo going back into the game and stuff with Caitlin Clark doing that. So she sees that. She gets tired of that. She says, hey, I'm going to pop one off at her at the end of the game. Who cares? Why do you care? Are you are you saying it sets a bad example for the kids? Maybe I mean, well then you got to take down Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese and everybody doing it. I mean I don't know. I think it's fine. It didn't lead to any fights or anything. I love it. It makes me more interested. Well, I mean, what I, I didn't pay too much attention to the women's final four, but I've definitely been seeing the chatter and uh, you know this interaction between Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese. Um, and what I saw in a lot of posts is it kind of seemed like when Caitlin Clark was doing it, it was more of like a, like, good for her and this and that, and then it was all mm, a problem. And I wonder why that is. There are reasons for that. But, I mean, be consistent. If you didn't like it yesterday, uh, then, did you, then hopefully you didn't like it when Caitlin Clark did it. I'm cool with both of them do it whatever and if you lose that makes you look like a fool and you have to deal with that we don't have why don't this is caitlin clark that upset about it i mean i think she's a a big girl she can handle it she's an awesome player she was doing it i don't think we all need to rally around her and get in a circle and hug her up and say it'll be okay i think she's okay maybe i'm wrong she had a good tournament i'm pretty sure she's okay well, I, I mean, I, the way I look at it is, is number one, I didn't see a problem with it other than maybe she did it just a shade too long, I thought. But, you know, um, but I didn't have a problem with it because you're right. If Caitlin's going to do it and Angel can do it, you know, she has just as much right to do it to uh, to Caitlin. I thought it was, um, you know, it, it was two really, really good basketball players going back and forth these two teams were hungry they wanted it neither team had ever won a title um you know you had it it was the matchup you wanted for a national title game and in that first half they traded baskets back and forth back and forth it was fun to watch now the second half i felt like maybe the referees kind of in my opinion i think the referees kind of took control of the game and really messed it up in my opinion but as far as the taunting goes or the you know here's the thing these are really good ball players they walk the walk let them talk the talk don't sit there and say that it's classless or you know it's not becoming of them for lack of a better term 
because you see it all the time in the NBA. You see it all the time in other places just because it's a female sport. I, I agree. I think you know, if this is men, nobody's them, really talking about yeah. it. And the thing is, is Angel Reese in the, in the, um, in the post-game press conference, she didn't apologize for it. She said, look, she said, this is who I am. I am unapologetically me, and I'm not backing down. You, you made up this narrative. I'm not going to play into your hands. You know, I, you know, she did it. I did it in return. You know, it's junk talk, and I'm not going to apologize for it. And it does have bad unintended consequences because you're going to see little kids doing it. And every time I see those, like, first of all, why do we have, like, eight- and nine-year-olds playing AAU and whatever? But you see these tournaments, and they're out there doing the dances and the taunts, and they don't know what the hell they're doing. They just do it because they saw it on TV. That is not cool. Uh, we, I agree we with that. We don't need that. But when, you know, college and <laughs> – yeah, uh pros are doing it it's fine <laughs> it makes me more entertained to uh to the game it's more entertaining for me and i get that it's going to trickle down but i don't know I, I like the i like the junk talk and you can't tell me also you can't tell me for for many many years i kept saying i kept hearing oh well the women's national you know women's college basketball is no fun you know nobody's watching those games did you look at the arena well everybody's watching it now according to social media everybody's got an opinion on it well of course but not even just that just you know the the title game they had a packed house yeah you know and it was loud and it was insane and it was you know everything that you know college athletics should be and uh you know i agree with you i don't think kids as young as you know seven eight years old should be taunting anybody because you know they don't even know why they're doing it yeah they're just doing it they're just mimicking but now if you're you know but you you're a college basketball player you're of age you're technically an adult and you know exactly what you're doing and if you're going to sit there and get in somebody's face and talk all that trash you better be able to back it up there's also otherwise somebody's going to make you look stupid and there there's penalties for it yeah, um absolutely. you can get teed up you can cost your team so yeah much better to celebrate with your team and look at, at your fans and tell them to get up and do that uh, because if you do taunt uh you have to pay the price for that i'm just saying as a fan especially pro sports I want, I want uh, Deron Payne to hate Dak Prescott, and I know that's not going to happen because, like I said, they're probably pals. They're probably buddies. They both played in the SEC, but that's how I want it, and in my mind, that's how it is. And if he sacks him and stares over him and flexes, I'm going to get out of my chair and I'm going to my fat ass is going to be flexing in the living room because that's what excites me when I watch sports. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, I mean. You know, if you have a corner that's just going to run over a receiver and pop him really good, heck yeah, I want him to stand over. Be like, fool, you should head on to the ball. Yeah. Let, I mean, that's just me. Let, let them decide it on the court. And I'm not talking about a fist fight. I'm talking about may the best man or woman win. Yesterday, that was LSU and Angel Reese. So she got the last John Cena in. Whatever. Don't care. All right. Let's take a break. When we return, we'll hear Jonathan Ellerby's interview with Dale Murphy, who definitely did have class when he played. <laughs> wonder if he ever bat flipped. There's different ways to go about it, folks. He had a beautiful bat wiggle, though. There's the Joey Bautista bat flip. There's the Murphy drop the bat. 
I was going to ask him about that yesterday. Where did the uh, wiggle come from, Shirley? I don't know, I, I but I did. sure did copy it yeah. as a kid. Love the wiggle. Uh, we'll hear from Murph when we return. Pirate Radio Live rolls on on a Monday after this. You're listening to Hour 2 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour is brought to you by Country Mart. Country Mart is open every day and has two locations, in Bethel on Highway 11 and in Stokes on Highway 903. Country Mart, fueling you up with great food and your engines with great gasoline. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Greenville Utilities Neighbor to Neighbor Program provides help for those who need temporary assistance with their utility costs. And you can make a difference. Your tax-deductible donation can be added to your GUC bill each month. Or you can make a one-time donation and GUC will match all donations up to $20,000 each year. Consider helping a neighbor with GUC's Neighbor to Neighbor Program. Now let's head back in to PRL. Here's the... Back with you, Pirate Radio Live here on a Monday. Clip Brock, Shirley Rhodes, the man of Chan. Brian Bailey going to join us later this hour. Also, Bryce Harmon, former Pirate, will join us as well. Talk about what he's doing today, which is scouting for the Philadelphia Phillies. So we'll uh, check in with him coming up hour number three. Also got a giveaway for you. And if you'd like to chime in on anything going on in the world of sports, ECU baseball, your opinion on uh the women's college basketball championship what's going to happen tonight can we finally get a close yukon game i'm just going to ride with nadu i already put it in i saw uh he did it immediately after saturday night had san diego state plus eight and a half i drove up to virginia took plus eight i'm just gonna pick against yukon again and get steamrolled that's my plan for the evening uh, they have looked awesome so uh, can San Diego State give them a challenge tonight? Tristan Newton looking to be cutting down the nets uh, as one shining moment plays tonight in uh, Houston. All right, we'll switch gears for a moment. We've been talking about this Dale Murphy event from yesterday. It was awesome. Great guy. Uh, there's a lot of fans. There's people listening right now that can attest to that because he gave everyone time uh, that wanted it yesterday, whether you want a picture, autograph, or just a chat about some old memories. He was awesome yesterday uh before all that took place ellerby had a chance to talk to him right here in the pirate radio studios and i'll be listening to this for the first time here is ellerby with two-time nl mvp dale murphy what an exciting day in greenville north carolina dale murphy in the pirate radio <laughs> studio I, it's hard for me to believe oh. uh, welcome to greenville thanks for being here today thank you so much it's uh it's great to be here and uh I feel like I'm in pirate country, but also Braves country, so it's great. Absolutely. Great a little bit of both. Uh, East Carolina fans love the Atlanta Braves and uh, love you and super Thank excited you. to have you today. You came in the studio. You're kind of like Santa Claus. You walked in <laughs> and uh, just your presence was a great presence. Oh, I look forward to nice hearing you, you Thank talk you so much. Uh, to our uh, audience later today. Uh, what's going on with Dale Murphy? How's life? Uh, great. You know, we... Uh, Dale Murphy fans from back in the day probably be a little shocked to hear we're expecting our 16th grandchild. Wow. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot more Murphys. Yeah, yeah. So Murph's a grandpa, uh, but, you know, uh, things are going really well. We got a restaurant we're trying to expand in in, uh, in Atlanta down by the ballpark there. And, uh, you know, I love to speak. I'm traveling around. Brought me here and... Uh, um, 
That's about it, really. Speaking in the restaurant is it keeps me busy. And for folks, uh, you're going to be in Atlanta a lot this spring and summer. Do you spend a lot of time at the restaurant if people go and dine there? <laughs> yeah, as long as I'm there, uh, we're, we, you're right. We're going to be there for most of April, May, and June. Nancy and I are, are uh, uh, looking forward to getting back there. We live out west in Utah. So, uh, like I said, we're trying to expand the restaurant. It's Murph's. If anybody's uh, curious, we're in the Galleria there in the Cumberland area by the ball park not not in the battery um and uh so that yeah it's going really good and also we have our mvp experiences uh nancy and i host a group of uh, people at the restaurant that we go over the game with them and you know uh, we're with them during the game in a suite so the mvp experiences the restaurant and and speaking keeps me busy Dale Murphy, such an icon, a living legend, uh, number three for the Atlanta Braves, two-time NL MVP. Uh, what, what's like the most number one question you get asked the most when uh, you interact with so many different people? What, what's the top question that that people want to know about Dale Murphy? What's Bob Horner up to? <laughs> <laughs> is he the is he the most popular teammate that people ask oh, you about? It, you know, it's so interesting that the power of TBS. They usually go, no matter where I am, they go through the lineup. How's Glenn Hubbard, Bruce Benedict? What's Rafael Ramirez? Have you seen him? And, uh, of course, they ask about Bob. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, um, the, uh, the, the, the main thing is those early 80s teams. You know, we, we had some pretty competitive teams. And, you know, as you and I have talked about the power of TBS and going all over the country, if not the world, I guess, if you had a dish back then. But, uh, um, you know, people are just it, – it, it real, there was a real good connection there with the fans. And I always say, uh, you know, our announcers did such a good job because they brought you, you know, Skip and Pete and Ernie, they, they brought you a hometown broadcast as opposed to the game of the week, which was not really a hometown broadcast. You know, it was announcers that didn't know us. You know, they tried to study. But, you know, uh, um, uh, our announcers and our broadcasters, they traveled with us. They saw us every day, and it was really a hometown broadcast. So it really, I think, endeared the fans to the team. And so I, it's it's fun to travel around the country and and uh, talk about those those teams back in the TBS days. Yeah, growing up a Braves fan, I mean, I you know, pre-digital age, you know, yeah. if you miss the game, you miss the game, you know. Right. But, but having games on TV as much as you guys were on TV and and this consistency of the team staying together without as many free agents um, that you knew that, hey, Dale Murphy, Bob Horner, you know, Chris Champ, they were going to be on the yeah. team pretty much the next year. So the baseball cards kind of matched up with who was playing on TBS. So always that loyalty. And, and I do think, uh, you know, all the broadcasters were, were, were tremendous, too. Yeah, I think I think they should be in the Hall of Fame. I think Ted Turner should be in the Hall of Fame. That The whole TBS thing really grew not only Braves fans, but baseball fans. I mean, you know, people like baseball because they remember those days of, of uh, you know, watching the Braves on TBS. And, and Ted, you know, he didn't. I understood that he, he was just looking for content. I mean, he, he bought the Braves to put him on his channel because he needed some sports programming. And, uh, you know, and it, it's the, the whole legacy is, I think, is one of really growing the game of baseball that I think is is really kind of unknown, except with Braves fans and TBS fans. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, people don't understand that whatever state I go in, uh, and give a talk, people come up to me and, you know, uh, Elko, Nevada, I, I ran into someone, I wasn't in Elko, but 
you know, they, I'm, I'm from Elko, and they went through my whole lineup. And if you think about it, we were never in the World Series. Right. But we were, as you said, we were on all the time. And so baseball is a game. It's a long season, and it's kind of like you want to see how this thing plays out. It takes a long time, and and there's uh, the, just talking about the game, there are times where you got to fill in about the player. And our announcers, you know, brought that feeling to the people in Fargo, North Dakota. I talked to someone there, uh, a number of people in North Dakota. I, I, I gave a talk there, and there were probably 80 people there in the in the audience that had watched the games on TBS. So it, it, it was really a unique thing. It was fun to be a part of, uh, but the, the older I get, the more I appreciate it, I think. Absolutely. Uh, I, I diehard Braves fan, diehard, diehard Dale Murphy fan. Now, when you look at your playing career and reflect, are there one or two moments, one or two plays that stand out above the rest when you think, man— I remember that that's one play or that 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 game was 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 my favorite. Well, I, I start smiling because, as you know, and remember, 82, we got to the playoffs, but we got swept. So it was pretty <laughs> quick. We were out of there. 83 and 84. We were competitive. Uh, but what's funny is uh, there's a couple of things that, you know, kind of stick out and you'll laugh when I say them. But. The, the first is the first two weeks of 82. We went 13-0, and 0, and it was like we had won the World Series. Uh, we went home after we'd, we'd won about 9 or 10, our first, uh, I can't remember exactly, but there were a thousand, thousands of people at the airport. You know, after the, our first 10 games, we were undefeated, and they, it, it was so exciting. Uh, people, even the World Series teams of, of the later years, people said that first two weeks of 82 right. was still incredible. And uh, But then the other things, people always ask me about, uh, the, you ask what sticks out, it's just because people ask me all the time, and, and these would be things that I would always remember, but people love to talk about July 4th, 1985, where we played all night and got rained out, and Rick Camp, you know, it's funny. We got a pitcher that couldn't hit, hit one of the most memorable home runs to Atlanta Braves fans. You know, Hank Aaron beat uh, uh, Babe Ruth and and Dave Justice, I think, hit, hit a big home run in the playoffs and Chipper, of course, and all these right. people, you know, my generation. Tell me about the Rick Camp home run in the extra innings of that July 4th game. Of course, we, I got home about 4.30 or 5 that morning. It's a long story, but that I get asked about that a lot. Um, so I think that's it. Really, 82 and and that crazy July 4th game, I get asked about those things a lot. But, you know, I had a few good games, but, you know, I really didn't do anything. I mean, down the stretch in 82, I hit a home run. I remember. I can't, I can't remember. Was, I had a couple a good uh uh, at bats, hit a home run in Dodger Stadium, and and uh, I had a walk off single, I think, against the Braves. That I can't remember the exact times, but you know, if you get into the playoffs, the World Series, I could probably talk about something that a little little more, uh, um, you know, memorable. But uh, I didn't really have a very good playoff series, actually. So, but those are the things that that I think about. Well, you're very humble. Uh, you're an all-star in all our minds. I could sit here for hours and just pick your brain, <laughs> but we got to get to events uh, and let the uh, public of Greenville get to meet you and uh, grease you. But uh, thank you so much for agreeing to come to Greenville, North Carolina. Excited to spend the day with you and uh, let you tell your story and uh, look forward to uh, continuing to follow and always be a Dale Murphy fan, thank even bigger so after today. Thank you so much. And, you know, we'll we'll talk again. Have, you know, ha let's, let's have me back on the station and 
You know, the older I get, the more I like to talk about it. So <laughs> well, maybe, maybe, maybe you need your own radio show here on, on Demire Radio. Let's do it. Anything's possible. Thanks for being here. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much. All right, there is uh, Ellerby and Murph, Dale Murphy, who uh, came yesterday. And uh, really cool day. And just a uh, down-to-earth, really nice guy. Told some great stories. And he had his, his message that he delivers to everybody. And, you know, it was good. Those cliches in there or whatever. I enjoyed the Q&A hearing those old names hearing those old stories and um funny stories stories about his struggles in baseball and how he uh was supposed to be the next johnny bench and told the story about how he uh tried to gun a guy out at second and hit the pitcher <laughs> in the hip and took him out of the game and <laughs> that was pro- i mean aside from the Tom Blavin that story that was the one that i enjoyed yeah. I, because i could visualize it and, you know, because a lot of people didn't realize, you know, and, and may have forgotten that he was drafted as a catcher. And so that's where he started his major, you know, his baseball career was as a catcher. And, yeah, he said he, he I think he one-hopped it or did he one-hop no, he it just and hit drilled him? him no, he just drilled him. Yeah. Drilled him right in the hip bone. And uh, if you can hit and you can hit at an elite level like Dale Murphy, they'll find a spot for you because they moved him from catcher to first and then finally put him in the outfield and said all right just catch some fly balls and hit some home runs and uh and you'll you'll be in the lineup and uh some really good stuff yesterday with the murph let's take a break we'll come back when we return double b brian bailey will join us i wonder if bailey still gets sentimental when they play one shining moment we'll ask him that because that will be you know he does tonight at the conclusion of yukon and san diego state that uh san diego state fau final four game wow was one of the strangest i'm just sitting there and i'm seeing the final four graphics i'm hearing nance and raftery and grant hill and the pageantry and it was a great crowd hot crowd that was awesome but to see those names on the score bug and those jerseys and those teams it didn't feel right but fun game great game for a while and then it kind of got ugly at the end but san diego state wins it on a last-second shot, they earned the right to play for the championship tonight against UConn. You can hear it right here on Pirate Radio. We'll talk to Bailey about that, Pirate Baseball, Spring Football, and more when we return Pirate Radio Live after this. You're listening to Hour 2 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour is brought to you by Country Mart. Country Mart is open every day and has two locations, in Bethel on Highway 11 and in Stokes on Highway 903. Country Mart, fueling you up with great food and your engines with great gasoline. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Do you have real estate questions about buying or selling residential or commercial properties? Are you curious about the current real estate market? Or do you need a property manager for rental houses? ACO alum Scott Harris with REMAX and SD Harris Properties can help answer every question you have and show you a stress-free real estate experience that will be memorable and enjoyable. If you have real estate questions, Scott has answers. Call Scott Harris today at 347-1857. Now let's head back into PRL. Here's Clip. Back with you, Pirate Radio Live here on a Monday. I'm looking at... Um, all the national championship game spreads since 1985 
I don't know how much of this information I want to divulge because I want to use some of a Wednesday night at Sports Trivia, and Chandler and others may be listening, and I don't want to give away any answers, but I will uh, bring it up with Brian Bailey here in just a moment when he joins us on the Pirate Radio Live Line. So I guess it opened up eight and a half. I saw Nadeau jumped on San Diego State uh, immediately on Saturday night. Uh, by the time I looked at it, it was eight. Now I think it's seven and a half. So it's kind of trended a little bit in San Diego State's favor, which I guess you would expect just being such a high number uh, initially. But do you want to stand in the way of UConn right now? Do you, are you do you have the the cojones to take the opposing side of UConn as they have blown everybody out in this tournament? Um, I don't know if I have the cojones. I just have the lack of brain cells to do it. So I'm going to try it again. I'm going to go against UConn one more time tonight uh, as they take on San Diego State. Brian Bailey joins us on the pirate radio live line hello bb hello i've I've got these spreads bailey for all the championship games since 1985 uh to find a championship game spread that was higher than tonight you got to go all the way back to 2002 when maryland was an eight point favorite against indiana and the terps won and the terps got gary williams only championship uh by a 12 point margin there uh, so a little and and i don't know bailey you could make this number like 12 or 13 and people would still take uconn probably just the way they've been blowing teams out that maryland team was juan dixon right juan dixon drew nicholas yeah yeah team uh yeah you're right because i mean the the numbers say that uconn hasn't had a close game throughout the tournament in a tournament that has been so crazy you can't keep up with the upset so i think that's that's another one of the upsets the fact that that UConn has breezed through it like they have, uh, but they look good. I, I found a, a soundbite with Tristan Newton to the put on the newscast tonight, and he was talking about just the success that they've had. And, and you know, I think it's great to see him out there, you know, playing for a national championship. I like Tristan. I, I hate that he's not in purple and gold, but hard to argue that he uh, didn't make the right decision as he's the starting point guard for a team playing for the national championship at halftime of last game he was flirting with a triple double he's kind of mr do it all he's not asked to be the hero uh but is asked at times to to hit a three late in the shot clock or uh to you know guard an opposing guard so man uh, he is he's found his role there and and played it awesome and it's uh yeah I, he was always nice bailey uh, good to talk to um kind of easy going guy um even on the court like never really gets that excited just a laid-back fella and uh, I'm, I'm like you i'm glad to see him having success and we had a game i uh, went uh pirates lost and uh joe julie was in a bad mood we were doing the coaching show we walked out and i said good luck at practice monday and he kind of smiled and said oh, we're used to it <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know kind of sheepishly smiled but you could tell that you could tell he really liked joe too uh, but yeah, you know, and there's a certain amount of pirate fans out there that you know, once you, you're not a pirate, they don't want anything yeah. to do with you. But I think, you know, the fact that he thought enough of East Carolina to come here and spend some time here, and you know, and then and we're we're in a different age now with with the transfer portal and everything that's going on. So uh, yeah, and, and he's made the most of it. Still remember the first ECU basketball game I did PA for Bailey was um, it was awesome. I got to fill in for Morgan Aylers. And I'm down there, and Joe Dooley's to my left. TV, Ted Valentine's in front of me, 
and screaming maniac Danny Hurley. Dan Hurley is to my right. And it was just, I was like, man, this is awesome. What an experience. And Dooley screamed the whole game. Hurley screamed the whole game. And Teddy's just trying to make calls and get on TV. But uh, Hurley, he, and this was cool. I saw it over the weekend. They lost to Villanova or Providence or somebody uh, early on when they rejoined the Big East. And he said, get us now because we're coming. And a lot of coaches say that. It makes for a good soundbite. But dang, if he didn't mean it, he's uh, playing for a title tonight. And uh, he has built back up UConn and uh, into a uh, major, major power here. And, he, and this is not the Big East that, that you know, in the good old days. But still, he, uh, he talked about, Coach Hurley talked about the fact that the Big East makes you a tougher team you know not in and not out playing that schedule and i think he's you know he's thankful to have that that road that he's had to go through with uconn this year to get them to this point do you uh still get emotional when you hear one shining moment bailey not as much as i used to i i used to love that but you know, i was just i just uh, did some script work uh and i wrote that we'll be back with you after the game tonight and after of course one shining moment. So stay up late with us tonight. We don't go on until all that stuff ends. And, Man. you know, yeah, it's going to be a late night for us here. But uh, we'll get to watch basketball the whole night. It's not like we're really working. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of interested. That there's talk of, hey, let's move the Super Bowl to Saturday. I don't know. I don't, I don't, wouldn't shock me if we see that in the future. Uh, and, and you maybe put it Saturday primetime rather than Sunday. I wonder, Bailey, if they ever touch the the championship i love the final four saturday um and i don't mind the monday but as i get older i get it like it is really really late to tip off not even at nine but it says nine twenty. hopefully they're tipped off by then i wonder if they ever uh mess with it or is it kind of if it, if it ain't broke don't fix it type of thing i think the only thing they could do maybe is go to like the women with the friday you know final four i don't even think that was that was yeah. the saturday the Saturday national semifinals is the best case scenario. Yeah. And I think they could move it up though on Monday. I mean, I know it's, it's for the West coast because you know, you know, they, they have everything happen so early, but still why not, you know, why not start the game at eight o'clock? I mean, you're in prime time, but I guess I, it, would it be too anticlimactic to go Saturday final four next Saturday championship? Would that be spreading it out yeah, too much? I, mean, I think it does. I yeah. think it spreads it out. Plus, Plus, you know, the, the Final Four, you know, part of the, the magic of the tournament is the Final Four and then the championship. Yeah. It's kind of like the tournament format. So I think you've got you to gotta play them, you know, every other day. All right. Well, just move the tip off up an hour and, and everybody be happy. Move it up. Move it up to 750 or something. Yeah. Moving on up. Uh, Brian Bailey joining us. And Bailey, uh, Pirate Baseball over the weekend. We were talking earlier when you were here and, and you specified – you know, great games, not necessarily great played games, had some errors, miscues, things like that. But if you want back and forth baseball, one run games, two run games, you got it uh, with this Houston series. The problem was East Carolina came out on the bad side of it twice. Yeah, I think we saw three games where it was almost a situation where every pitch mattered. And I think that you, know, you don't see it that a lot in, in college baseball series. And usually, even you know, any kind of series that, that you watch, you know, you'll have a close game or two. You usually don't have three that are, that are ultra close. And these three could have gone either way. I mean, the Pirates could have swept. The Pirates could have been swept. And, you know, they could have, could have won two out of three. They could have lost two or three, which they did. Uh, it was it was really even, I thought. 
We usually have the players on on Mondays, Delcor Players Lounge, but ECU practiced today. And, uh, you know, you can speculate why that is. Is it because they lost the series? Is it because they've been struggling midweek, so they want to do a Monday practice ahead of a Tuesday game? Or is it just because of the way the week falls where you've got Thursday, Friday, Saturday this week instead of the traditional Friday, Saturday, Sunday? So either way, uh, they're practicing today. We'll try to catch up with the guys on Wednesday. But you got to... First of all, Bailey, like before the weekend, it was like, man, we got to win some weekend, some midweek games. Now it's like we just got to win some games, right? You got to kind of snap out of this little funk they're in here. Well, we got an eight-game homestand coming up. All starts with NC State, and obviously, a win over NC State heals a lot of wounds from the last four games. But uh, you know, they 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 started slowly last year, and they they got they caught fire. I, I still think it's it's a matter of just being spoiled with how good they are. And I think that that most everybody that's a pirate fan says, okay, we're gonna we know we're gonna host a regional. Uh, maybe we'll play well enough to host a super, but you know we know we'll be there. And that's just not what most programs can do. And I think that that part of that that, that you know, and, and and I'm the same way. I mean, I, I expected them to go down to Houston and win three, not have any problem because Houston came in eleven and twelve, I think, when the series started. But you could tell by watching the games that they were two pretty even baseball teams. Now, East Carolina gets another shot at them later in the tournament. I think, you know, things could be different. Uh, I really like East Carolina's pitching, the starting pitching. The bullpen's let them down a couple of times. and Some of it's been kind of flukish, really. That three-run home run was like, it just, the ball was heading down the line. I thought it was going to be foul. And then it hit something. And then I, I, <laughs> the announcers, who weren't all that stellar, but they said they said something effect though it hit the foul pole and I thought well dang if it hit the foul pole that's trouble that's a three run homer no. it was. And I think we should call it the fair pole, not the foul pole. That's what it should be called. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Josh Thomas, Pirate Radio listener, uh, was at the Dale Murphy event yesterday, the VIP at Tiebreaker, so I'm going to give him credit for this one. Th- this would have been a lot cooler, and I might have led the show with it if ECU would have won yesterday. Uh, but he said, you know, ECU lost their first conference game last year, right? And I said, huh? Really? Really? Yeah, they lost 7-3 to three to Cincinnati. Now, they went on to win that Saturday and Sunday and go to 2-1 and one in league play. But uh, they have dominated this conference, Bailey. Um, but they did start off last year with a loss, and, and we saw how it ended up. So hopefully we can uh, be saying the same thing in uh, a, few, uh, a few weeks now. And their last conference series loss, I believe, was last April against – was it Tulane at Tulane? Uh, lost two out of three there, yep. Yeah, so, so I think, you know, it's, it's not – you know, the best thing that could have happened is that none of the teams swept. So you're, you're only a game out of first place after the first weekend. I mean, teams either went two and one or one and two. So that, that shows everything's pretty even right now. And I think a couple of teams will pull away. You know, I think if Houston plays like they played this weekend, I, I really did think they played pretty good baseball this weekend. I think we might just see teams kind of beat up on each other, right? And, yeah. and nobody kind of pull away unless it's ECU. So, yeah. Brian, uh, hey, Chandler, were you around yesterday when Bailey physically assaulted me? Were you there at the table at that time? I don't believe I was around. Man, I, I hope there were some witnesses to that. Was there. I don't think anybody saw it. Yeah, he, was, he gave me a Ric Flair chop that uh, had me feeling it uh, a few minutes later. Um, so, ba- so Bailey was at tiebreakers. And, uh, he got me back today. What? <laughs> yeah, I did. I didn't do that on purpose. I swear. Blew my ears out. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean. Yeah, 
You'll be glad to know we got it figured out before my show, so my ears aren't going to get blown out. That's what Shirley said. <laughs> Shirley said, well, all Clip said was he wanted to make sure it was fixed before he went out. I did not say that. That is not true. Uh, but yesterday, uh, Dale Murphy, was he was so awesome with everybody, gave everybody time, um, and everybody would have had more time if Brian Bailey didn't talk to him for 30 minutes on camera. <laughs> that was the joke I made, and then Bailey Rick flared me, and I didn't say nothing else to Bailey the rest of the day. Right. I was scared I of him. A little chop. Uh, man, how awesome, though, uh, was he, Bailey, just to talk to? He was great. I mean, he, re- he really was. I didn't know what to expect. I, I figured, you know, everything you've ever read about him and watched him on TV, that he was uh, like an All-American type guy, and, and he was even more than that. It was really just very sincere, and, and you know, I, I think he really appreciated being there. I think he's one of those guys that looks back on his career and, and knows that, that he had the you know, had the best of times, and you know, I hope he gets in the Hall of Fame someday. I think he was that type of player, uh, and, and I would have asked him about that, but I was running out of time. <laughs> but I really enjoyed talking to him because he, he was so easy. Yeah. You, you ask a question, and he just went, you know, he was really easy about stuff, and uh, ask about the rule changes in baseball and, and just different things like that. So it was, I, I was glad I got a chance to meet him. It, it was, it was a neat deal. He did, uh, he did an interview with Ellerby before all the festivities yesterday, and I just heard it for the first time when we ran it. And he said that Ted Turner, and he said the announcers too, but I, I, I really agree with him. Ted Turner should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame for what he did putting the Braves on TBS and making a, a nation and at least a region of baseball fans and you can say the same for you know wgn uh as well bailey because you you watch the uh the cubbies i grew up watching the braves and cubbies and a little bit of uh orioles on home team sports but uh just to put baseball on televisions in homes nobody else was doing that and um he said ted turner should be in the hall of fame i agree with him he was talking about that in my interview and and he said, you know, there were there were those that watched the Cubs. And I said, that, I'd be one of those. <laughs> yeah. I was in college, and I'd come home in the afternoon and, and you know work on homework because I was at Old Dominion. Old Dominion at the time didn't have a whole lot of dorm space, so I was at home. And I'd drive back home, and I'd watch, you know, turn the TV on, watch the game, do my homework and stuff, and I uh, just fell in love with Harry Carey through the TV, through the, you know, the, the networks like that with WGN and, and TBS for the Braves. So, yeah, that was, that, that was really, really cool how they did that, and, and how he appreciated that as a player because he's a, a lot more famous and a lot more popular because of that. Brian Bailey joining us. Uh, you can check out the Brian Bailey Show if you missed it earlier at 6 o'clock. He talked to Jules Montaner, the new uh, corners coach for ECU. And uh, uh, that's an interesting position, Bailey. We were talking about it beforehand that you lose Malik Fleming and uh, Jawan Powell. You've got a couple guys on the roster from last year that hope to step up. They're bringing in some other talent from the outside to try to stack that position. So kind of, and, and even when you'd asked him about personnel and the team, he's kind of getting his footing here. Uh, East Carolina had to, to make some uh, some quick hires here in the offseason to replenish the coaching staff, uh, and he's one of those guys. Yeah, and one of the funniest part of the interview is when I brought up the Temple game from last year. Yeah. I, said, I said, he was a quarterback coach last year for Temple, and I said, well, I know that gave you great hairs against East Carolina. Blake Harrell, had, he was pulling his hair out in that game. That was a high-scoring game that East Carolina came back and won, but uh, I sure enjoyed uh, talking to Coach Jules. Uh, you know, I hadn't met him yet, so that was pretty much a cold interview, but he, he did a great job with it, very uh, informative and uh, just a – just a neat guy. Yeah, and you can check that out coming up at 6 o'clock. And, Bailey, uh, great pirate purple gold pigskin pig out. Is that what you like to Is that it? The great pirate purple gold pigskin pig out party. Yeah, coming up on Saturday. And you asked me earlier, so what you going to do for the 
spring game i said yeah i'll go out there uh what time's the baseball game by the way and you said noon i said well i won't be there i will be at clark leclair so i'll be missing all the spring action on saturday but weather permitting we'll have a, a lot going on out there yeah and that's the key weather permitting and so if they may have to move the baseball game around or who knows what will happen with the football game because you don't want to get anybody hurt but uh, hopefully the weather will stay clear so we'll see how that goes but it should be a big day. All right, BB. So late night for you tonight. Anything else on the horizon uh, with WNCT to keep an eye on? No, we're going to do a special pregame show on Saturday for the spring game. That's going to be streamed. It's the first time anybody's ever done it. So we're going to do that. Coach Houston's going to be on with us. Uh, Donnie Kirkpatrick, Blake Harrell, um, uh, Holt Naylor's just coming by. So we've got a lot of folks coming by to do that. So that's going to be streamed exclusively on WNCT.com. So kind of looking forward to that. If you can't go to the spring game, you can get a taste of it. We won't be showing it, you know, the spring game live or anything like that, but uh, just kind of get everybody ready for the spring football game. Sounds good. Bailey, thanks for joining us, man, and uh, have a great week. Sounds good. Thank you. BB, Brian Bailey joining us here on this Monday edition of Pirate Radio Live. Let's take a break. We'll come back. More to go in our number two. Back with you after this. You're listening to Hour 2 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour is brought to you by Country Mart. Country Mart is open every day and has two locations, in Bethel on Highway 11 and in Stokes on Highway 903. Country Mart, fueling you up with great food and your engines with great gasoline. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Be sure to check out David Price Construction for all of your commercial or custom residential renovation and building needs. Run by ECU alumni, David Price Construction specializes in commercial projects, maintenance on facilities, and large-scale residential renovations and additions. David Price Construction, the proud ECU home services partner. Call them today at 919-291-5532 or visit them online at davidpriceconstruction.com. Now let's head back in to PRL. Here's Cliff. All right, Chandler doing his part, trying to get the crowd hyped up for a little safety dance. Man, that, uh, Where's you out? Do it for a while. Robert Skipper is here. Yeah. He says, hey. Yo. Hey. What's up, Skip? How we doing? What's on your mind on this Monday? What's on your mind, Chandler? You, uh, give me a, uh, what I always ask you before football, your hype level or your, uh, maybe a confidence level. What's your hype level for this championship game tonight? hype level i'd rather see the u in it um i don't know i mean i always get excited for a national championship game um this is not the sexiest of matchups no it's not but uh i mean i think it's unique i I, I think i'm excited about the uniqueness of the national championship game i'm glad to see uconn back uconn's made it uh, a few times they won a couple times and and they're finally back in it with a uh, familiar face for Pirate fans, but Tristan Newton excited about him potentially getting a national championship tonight. So I would say I would probably go 7.3. All right. That's higher than I expected. Not bad. I mean, I'm more at a um, – I'm, I'm pretty much uh, down the middle at a five. I just – I hope it's a good game. I'm holding out hope that San Diego State can actually – 
be the first team to challenge Connecticut. We just have not seen that so far in this tournament. So they don't they don't have enough offense. They are going to have to have a great defensive game, and UConn is going to have to be off offensively for them to have a chance. They do have some size that can maybe battle with Sonogo, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, they need to try to get a lead and obviously keep that lead, but they can't get down like they did the other night against Miami or whoever they played uh, and got down 14 uh, and then stormed back in the last 10 minutes. I don't think that can happen tonight if you get yourself in that position again against a very good UConn team. So they got to play fast out the gate. We'll, we shall see if they can do that. All right. Uh, Robert said, how is ye? How is ye? Nada. Off today and tomorrow. He said, nice to see non-Power 5 teams in. In basketball, there is a Power 6, including the Big East. So P6. You can kind of, yeah. And, P, and football, P6 includes us with the American, according to uh, the flag we have that we run out on the field with. Um, that infuriates Patrick Mason. Sure, yeah. So, I don't know. I, get, I mean, UConn is a power in basketball san diego state certainly not they have been really really good the problem is the mountain west stinks in the tournament and we saw it again this year because they had utah state boise state and who am i forgetting about one other i want to say in the mountain west lose in the tournament i think they had four teams but i might be off on that um but anyway they have struggled in the tournament uh in recent years but san diego state able to kind of knock down that door this year let me see who else was in the tournament from the mountain west i want to say there was another state. team no nope. maybe i'm wrong utah state boise state and san nevada was in nevada yeah that was it that was the fourth team so they go uh whatever san diego state's done in three because all those teams uh lost early in the tournament all right um so there's that going on. Congrats to your Nats for winning the game. Yeah, I was very excited. To it's cool to see Mackenzie Gore, right? Yeah, uh, that was very exciting. Um, I knew he was going to be in the starting rotation uh, over the weekend sometime, and I forgot that, that was, there was that one off day on Friday. Uh, and I was like, well, let me look up and see what day he is scheduled to start. And sure enough, it was on Sunday, the same day that we were going to be hanging out with Dale Murphy watching the Braves and Nationals at Tiebreaker. So I thought that was really cool. To be able to hang out with Dale Murphy and watch his former Bra- or his former team, the Braves, and my favorite team, the Nats, go at it. And a local kid, uh, if you will, with Mackenzie Gore being from Whiteville, North Carolina, uh, in the pride of Columbus County. So they, I thought he was outstanding yesterday. I think he had six strikeouts and was credited with the win, his first win in a Nationals uniform. Yeah, Braves uh, beat up on Nats pitching pretty good the previous two games, and Mackenzie Gore was having none of that. No, sir. None at all. Uh, uh, Randolph on YouTube said, Chandler, I was watching Andy Griffin. I was watching Andy Griffin the show <laughs> with Goat and Otis in the police office. Yes, sir. And then he said, Chandler, you watched Golden Girls or Andy Griffin yesterday? I did, I, I've actually steered away from Golden Girls. And I'm actually watching Andy Griffith right now. Okay, that's kind of my that's my feel good show right now. Uh, it, it changes every so often. Like it was Cheers a few months back, um, and then right now it's currently Andy Griffith. You like um, the old classics? Yes, I do. I just it, rem- it reminds me of my grandma. So I that's nice. Go to her house and watch Andy Griffith. 
all the time um i walked in friday not only did i see equipment everywhere uh in every room uh i saw golden girls on the it tv it was on the tv was that your that doing was, no that was me okay that was shirley's doing okay yeah because i got here to the studio because i was asked to to be here um when the computer guys got here in case i had questions of you know as far as our setup goes and our upgrades and uh they just got to work and i looked and there were all these computer parts on the floor and i'm like yeah this is a little out of my league i'm just gonna go in the studio and sit here and i told the guys i said you know if you have any questions just you know i'll be over here i'll be watching golden girls and i was like let's just flip on and like a dummy i said well let's see if there's any sports on because i forgot what time it was it was like 9 30 by then and i was like why why would sports be on at 9 30 in the morning so flipping through the channels and i spotted golden girls and i was like too bad chandler's not here i'm gonna flip it on though yeah i got here and i, I uh wes was in here wes said stay the night here basically and i said did you listen to the show yesterday me talking about golden girls and you put the golden girls on for me but he's like Ah, that won't me <laughs> and come to find out it was shirley but i did enjoy watching some of that in here on friday i'd just like to say thank y'all for being a friend thank you for being a friend it actually kind of helped calm the nerves a little bit because it was uh, a bleep show in here on friday when it i mean like you said clip equipment everywhere you had three people in this one room doing different things and uh with the help of golden girls it was able to uh relax me a little bit for sure in terms of relaxing and by the way i did say thank you of course of course <laughs> well done you did that yesterday i believe i know yeah let's take a break we'll come back hour three pirate radio live when we return former pirate first baseman bryce Harmon. he was at clark leclerc a couple weekends ago watching the pirates and watching missouri state because he's a scout now so we'll talk about what he's up to these days and relive some of his memories for playing uh for two godwins billy and cliff Bryce Norman joins us hour three. We'll make you a winner as well. It's all ahead when we return. Pirate Radio Live after this. listening to hour three of pirate radio live this hour of prl is brought to you by bud light reminding pirate fans to stay in the game and drink responsibly bud light the official beer of the ecu pirates and proudly distributed by carolina eagle distributing since 1989 now back to the show Welcome back. Carolina Caliber has the area's largest selection for outdoor shooting sports and accessories and is one of the top firearm dealers anywhere. They have everything you need for hunting, home defense, and personal protection, including a wide variety for ladies and youth. Carolina uh, Carolina Caliber will buy, sell, and trade. Carolina Caliber, locally owned and operated since 1960 on Fire Tower Road in Winterville. Now, let's head back in to PRL. Here's Clip. Pirate back with you on Pirate Radio Live. We like talking to current pirates as well as pirates from the past and find out what they're up to these days, relive some glory days, but uh, really find out what uh, they've been up to since leaving East Carolina University and since uh, finishing up with ECU Athletics. Today, we'll do that with Bryce Harmon, who I had a chance to see a couple of weeks ago at Clark LeClaire Stadium and uh, found out he was doing some scouting for the Philadelphia Phillies and uh, where it was able to 
catch up with him a little bit then and we'll do it even more now as he joins us on the pirate radio live line and bryce uh great to catch up with you man welcome back to pirate radio how you doing today clip i appreciate you asking me on the show I've, uh, I've always been a big fan of pirate radio and uh you know now that i'm graduated in the real world good to get back on here and catch up a little bit yes sir and saw you at clark leclair stadium you walked in the press box and i gotta admit i didn't even recognize you because you're always uh you're always big tall but uh you like uh, you know i, I called you a, a, a gam a grown a man uh when i saw you there in the press box and it's funny uh bryce because i was sitting matt max stokes former umpire was running the scoreboard that day and you chatted it up with him and he said that was uh that's bryce Harmon, right and i said yeah yeah and he said yeah i, I don't remember everybody's names but i remember his because how much he talked so uh so you left a lasting impression bryce during your playing days even with umpires well, I walked up there and uh, it looked like you saw a ghost. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. that you, you were you were announcing games now, and uh, I, I headed up there and I saw you sitting there, and you looked at me and it looked like I, you saw a ghost. Uh, <laughs> so no, it was, it was good to see you and, and Mac. Yeah, Mac remembers not my name obviously because of uh, how much I ran my mouth. Uh, back in my heyday and luckily Mac was never one to uh to throw me out of the game so fortunate about that yeah and uh and then I asked him and then I'll ask you are, are you running your mouth uh at at him at the opposing team at your teammates all the above what how much talking was going on on, on the field Bryce oh I was never running my mouth toward, towards my teammates it was uh it was just usually the players and uh, a select few umpires and <laughs> I know Coach Godwin might listen to this, uh, but he he was always on my tail about uh, keeping my mouth shut. But, you know, I guess that was just what made me uh, the player I was. I wasn't very good, uh, you know, with the bat in my hand, so I had to have some sort of advantage. And, you know, talking a little smack to the uh, the opposing team was my way of going about it. <laughs> Makes it fun. And uh, you were with a, a fun group of guys there during your time here at ECU. And Bryce, uh, I, I want to talk about your playing days, but uh, I don't know. We'll talk about that uh, that super uh, regional run you guys went on and, and went in the regional in Virginia. But I, I guess, first of all, any other, I don't know, big moments, big games when you think about your, your playing days at ECU, what stands out to you the most? Uh, definitely going to that super regional. Um, and obviously we had to get there by winning the, uh, the Virginia regional. Uh, that was, you know, I have that coach Godwin actually sent me a picture of us dogpiling, uh, on UVA's field, which was a very good, uh, experience obviously, but getting to the super regional winning game one and, um, coming up 90 feet short in game two. And obviously it didn't go as, as we had hoped it would game three, but, just that opportunity to be in the first team to ever win a, a super regional game. We don't have that. Uh, we don't have that title anymore. Is the only team I know last year's team almost pulled through and got to Omaha, and I know they're going to get there soon. But a lot of good memories uh, in my uniform at ECU, and I don't. I don't have any regrets looking back on it. 
And yeah, you had a hit in that game against Virginia that got you, uh, and you had to win a game the next day against William and Mary to get to Lubbock. But that game against Virginia, we all remember the Travis Watkins walk off and just kind of happened in the snap of a finger. It looked like Virginia was ready to close it out, put you guys in the losers bracket, and and kind of fight from behind. And then uh, some magic happened in that ninth inning. And I don't like the rule. I think any home team should always be the home team, but they do flip flop it in regionals. Uh, so uh, you. You guys were the home team that day, and uh, and Watkins walked it off, and just uh, we still talk about that one. Oh yeah, it had to be a very salty feeling, uh, you know, being the home team. Um, I've actually run into a couple uh, former players for UVA, and you know, we always talk about that moment and talk a little smack here and there. But Travis Watkins, I mean, it's one of the biggest hits in ECU history. Uh, I can't tell you how many times that that video gets pulled on replay. Um, just hitting that home run and everybody going berserk and you know, dog piling at uh, at home plate. And then so close uh, to getting to Omaha, a runner on third there uh, against Texas Tech. And uh, I still remember that Friday night game uh, with Cruz on the mound. I think he had just gotten drafted, uh, I want to say, and uh, playing with that on his brain. And uh, and Travis Watkins, I think, homered again that night. So you got that game one win so close in game two. That had to be, I know, frustrating. But hopefully even even in that situation, you could look back and say, man, man, what a ride, what a, what a season, what a team we had. I think he actually homered twice on Friday night. <laughs> yeah. I'm not. Yeah. Um, it, he was just on one of those runs, uh, as you call him, as a hitter, where you know everything that comes to the plate it looks like a beach ball, and he carried us. Cruz carried us on the mound to get there. Um, and Brady Lloyd, I remember that ball he hit up the middle mm. didn't skid off. If it didn't skid off the mound, you know, because their field was turf. And it took that friendly hop and bounced a little bit to the left, and the shortstop was able to, to nab it and make the play. But we were so close. But I remember after that game, um, it was one of the very few times that I've ever been emotional. Um, and I think it, you know, just the ride in itself, it, it drained everybody. And we come up short, but they're getting close. I know Coach Galvin's going to knock down the door and, and get him to Omaha. I believe in everything that he's doing right now. Um, and they're going to get there. It's just a matter of, you know, getting over that hump. Catching up with Bryce Harmon, former Pirate first baseman. And Bryce, you uh, played for Coach Godwin and I believe um, played for Billy Godwin as well, right? So what was the uh, the coaching change like for you as a player? And uh, Coach Godwin, I know, is tough. That's Cliff Godwin. Not that Billy Godwin wasn't, but what was the – was there any culture change, any mindset change when you get a new coach in? Well, I think – Whenever somebody comes into a program, um, and I'm sure Cliff has talked about this on the show, but you, you have to come in and you have to create an identity and you have to weed out who wants to be there and who doesn't want to be there. Um, and he, you know, the culture was built around us being tough. Uh, I'll be the first one to say that those workouts were very, very tough that first fall, uh, but I wouldn't have it any other way because it made us a cohesive unit. I can't even remember how many position players we had healthy that uh, that first spring. It had to be like 11 or 12 guys uh, <laughs> because the roster was dwindled down. We had some injuries. We had some guys transfer out. But, um, you know, I had Billy as my coach. He was the one that recruited me, Billy Godwin. Um, he was my coach my freshman year. And then, uh, you know, he got let go. And then Cliff came in and I had him. 
for three years, and I know by the uh, the end of my third year with Cliff, he was ready for me to uh, to move on to uh, to greener pastures. I'm sure he he got tired of me uh, running my mouth uh, on the field and not performing enough. But uh, no, he's it's great. I actually was able to catch up with uh, with Cliff, obviously, when I came back and visited uh, a couple weekends ago and seeing the the hidden end door and you know kind of going over old times and talking about the renovations for the um for the uh press box so and bryce i want to talk about what you're up to today but but one more question on your your playing career how about uh growing up and and being from virginia being recruited by east carolina how did you get here bryce and and who else was recruiting you where did you almost end up how'd that all go for you so uh just about all the schools in the mid-Atlantic region uh, were actively recruiting me. And it's, you know, it's funny, UNC was kind of my dream school growing up and they had actually offered me, uh, but I went on a visit there and to put it politely, it it wasn't the, uh, it wasn't the avenue that I wanted to go. Um, And I ended up taking a a visit to East Carolina um, way back when, when coach Schnabel was still the recruiting coordinator. And, Um, fell in love with it the very first time I visited. I think my dad wasn't able to visit with me uh, the first time because he was sick and dealing with some things. And I went back the second time and I committed. And it was just an atmosphere that I fell in love with, the fans, um, the program itself, the history of it, and the opportunity that I thought that I could go in there and get some playing time right away um, was something that I didn't want to pass up. And um, come uh, my senior year, uh, you know, Cliff, I always thought I wanted to sign at a high school. I'm I'm in scouting now, obviously, and I always thought that I wanted to sign at a high school, um, but I didn't. You know, I ended up getting uh, drafted in the 27th round by the Washington Nationals, Hmm. um, more of a as a courtesy pick. But to me, going to school was the right was the right move. And I don't regret that one bit because I got a degree, um, something that I probably wouldn't have done had I signed at a high school. I made lifelong friendships and memories with guys that I'd still stay in touch with on a day-to-day basis. And I learned how to grow up and be a man and how to handle things outside of baseball. And, you know, Coach Gowan helped me, um, helped me for life after baseball and he prepared prepared me for the real world so that i uh definitely very appreciative of yeah that's awesome man i don't know what transpired on the trip to chapel hill but i gotta say bryce just knowing a little bit about you your attitude the way you talk the way you carry yourself you you definitely identify more as a pirate than a tar Heel. i think you made the right choice there (laughs) no doubt no doubt (laughs) very uh very glad that i made that decision all right, so yeah, let's talk about what you're up to, man. It was it was great seeing you and and, and in your new role, scouting. So, um, tell us, uh, well, let's go here, Bryce. Did you try to continue your playing career after uh, East Carolina? What happened there, and and how did you eventually get into the role you're in uh, currently? I mean, come on, Cliff. You think somebody that hit two forty five a year with uh, <laughs> minuscule power numbers? has an opportunity to play baseball after college. I don't know. There's a lot of leagues out there, Bryce. Somebody might want a, a tall first baseman over there. No, no. <laughs> I, uh, 
I ended up graduating in 2017, and you know, baseball has obviously been a big part of my life. Um, and I thought I might want to get into coaching or scouting, um, and I kind of settled upon scouting. And Billy Gowan at the time was the area scout the New York Yankees yeah. um, in, North, in North Carolina and South Carolina. So I reached out to him among other scouts. Um, and you know, I don't want to make this story too long, but Billy ended up getting me in contact with the Yankees scouting director. Um, and then next thing you know, um, I landed a job with the Yankees down in Florida doing some video and a little bit of scouting here and there just, just to get my foot in the door. Um, so I was with the Yankees for two years, uh, living in Tampa, Florida, working out of the complex and traveling um, and seeing amateur guys. And then in November of 2019, uh, my now scouting director with the Phillies, Brian Barber, he was the national cross-checker with the Yankees for over 20 years. And he got the scouting director position with the Phillies. Um, he ended up hiring me, making me uh, his first hire, which I don't know if that was a good or a bad decision or not, but I'm still with him. So I got hired as the area scout to cover Central and North Florida, and I did that for three years. Um, ended up drafting three guys uh, and signing one after the draft, so four players total that I was able to sign. And then back in November of this past year, 2022, um, he came to me about an opportunity to um, have a little bit more responsibility seeing college performers. Um, so my title is a little weird. I've been traveling all over the East Coast this spring, but my title, quote-unquote, is uh, Performance Specialist. So I'm able to see college performers all over the East Coast, um, as well as seeing analytic darling. Um, guys that maybe we need a little bit more looks on and some video on. Um, so I've been traveling quite a bit on the East Coast. I was able to obviously see you guys against Missouri State a couple Sundays ago. Um, it's been a whirlwind. A lot yeah. of traveling this little, um, but I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm having fun, and I'm, I'm learning along the way. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And uh, we- I'm just curious, when you're scouting, like when you're at ECU Missouri State, obviously you have a relationship with Cliff Godwin, so you catch up with him, but are you kind of behind the scenes in the shadows watching, or are you able to talk to the, the coaches? Are you able to talk to any players at all? Like, what, what do you do when you are traveling at an event? Uh, well, you lean on the area scout for, for the information on what players that they want you to see. Uh, that's first and foremost. Area scouts are the backbone of – of our industry. Um, but definitely talking to coaches. Um, I try to utilize that as much as I can. I'm lucky enough to have some relationships in the Carolinas and the Virginia areas where you definitely want to talk to the coach, make sure the kid's healthy. Maybe he's going through a slump and you want to talk to him about what his mindset is and the character of the kid and the overall makeup. Because at the end of the day, when we're considering drafting and signing a guy, we want to make sure that, He's in this for the long haul, and he's not going to give up when he gets to double A and starts struggling a little bit. 
And Bryce, you're not an old man by any means, but man, a whole lot of changes just to the rules since you've been out of baseball. And, and it's all happened kind of fast with the pitch clock. With And in Major League Baseball, they have banned the shift. Uh, they've got bigger bases, the throwover rules. So just rule change after rule change here. How do you, I don't know, what, what are your thoughts on it? It seems like everybody's adapting, I guess, as good as they can. I'll say this college games have a much better pace this year than they've had in the past. So I'll take that. Uh, but what are your thoughts on all these changes? just the baseball well the first time i ever got to experience it was last uh last summer i was doing some pro coverage in in palm beach and i i had five games that i had to see that week and there wasn't a single game that went over two hours and ten minutes (laughs) wow me i'm i'm a fan of it um now the rules with the pickoff um the shift you know everybody can have their opinion on it but the pickoff seems a little—it uh, seems a little extreme to me, um, but you know, it kind of is what it is. Luckily, we have Trey Turner on our team, and he's definitely going to use that to, uh, to his advantage <laughs> and wipe a bunch of bags. But I just can't keep up with them all. I don't know which ones are in college. Right, it's starting to trickle down in the high school ranks now. So definitely a learning lesson for everybody involved. That's And how about, Bryce, as far as looking at talent, especially position players and hitters, are you – is it the same kind of things you did growing up where, yeah, you want to hit home runs, but making contact. I remember, like, when I was a kid, the A to C swing and then hit line drives. Well, now it seems like power is the premium. You want home runs. You want the long ball. So the things you're scouting looking for, is it any different than maybe you were taught growing up? You know, how much has, has that part of the game changed? Well, I know uh, there's a reason why nobody scouted me <laughs> my junior years because I didn't make enough contact. Uh, that's kind of where you need to start if we're going to talk about hitters clip is you have to make enough contact. You can have all the power in the world, but if if you don't, if you can't hit the ball to get to the power, then what is it good for? So yeah. I think there needs to be, you know, there is a starting point on that Um and it all comes down to tools and profiles. If a guy plays center field and he can really run and he can really defend, then the power um, is less of a priority when it comes to uh, to profiling. So I was a big left-handed hitting first baseman. Sure, I had power, but I never really got to it. So that didn't make me uh, – that would make me very good. Not a good prospect. Well, uh, turn it into a, a pretty good scout. That's awesome. And so, Bryce, what's next for you? You said you were finally uh, back home in Florida, catch your breath, set up your schedule a little bit. So just give us a, a, an example of what your work week or work month uh, looks like here in April. What you got going on? Well, I've, I've knocked out quite a few of the, uh, the guys that I've been looking forward to seeing. So, honestly, this week uh, I'll, I'll take a couple days in Florida, get my feet underneath me and, and kind of see where we need extra looks on uh, throughout the, the East Coast and maybe make another trip up to the Mid-Atlantic area. I was there about two weeks ago, so probably head back up there um, and see some guys, but you know, hopefully able to uh, get back to Richmond and see my folks for, uh, for Easter. 
this weekend. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Good deal. Hey, Bryce, uh, great to catch up with you, man. This was a lot of fun, and uh, we'll be uh, kind of following your career now and what you're doing. What I don't know. What's uh, Have you thought about your your end goal here? What's the, the ultimate spot you'd like to be? Would you like to just uh, stay in scouting here the rest of your baseball career, or you you have other aspirations? No, scouting is uh, – I think I've found my calling. Cool, yeah. Very uh, – I'm enjoying a bunch, and – don't have any end goals. I'm just taking it day by day and trying to improve as a scout and hopefully find uh, the next superstar for the Phillies. There you go. Well, as a Braves fan, I hope that doesn't happen. But for you personally, I hope it does, Bryce. So uh, I'll root for you in that regard. Bryce Harmon joining us today. Bryce, uh, thanks so much, man. Great catching up with you. We'll keep in touch and uh, maybe chat with you again down the road sometime. All right, Clip. I appreciate you bringing, on, bringing me on here. Go Pirates. Former Pirate, Bryce Williams, uh, Bryce Harmon. Bryce Williams is joining us Tuesday. Bryce Harmon joining us on the show. Uh, great interview. And uh, just kind of shows how much he has grown up. And uh, and now he's, uh, yeah, he's working with the Major League Baseball team. Pretty cool. So getting it done and um, looking forward to following him. And where does this lead next? He said he's really carved out a niche for himself in the scouting world. And uh, we'll continue to, to try to grow in that regard. But it uh, looks like he's off to a great start to his professional career when it comes to scouting. All right, let's take a break. Uh, when we return, we'll hear from Mike Houston. He will join us coming up. Am I on? Have I been on the whole time? Yes, I had I had a button pushed over Okay, there, so all right, good. Just anything. making sure because now I can hear myself again. Yeah. Uh, when we return, Mike Houston from Saturday, following ECU's second scrimmage, what he had to say, any uh, players, individuals stand out, we'll hear from Coach Houston, and we'll make you a winner. It's all coming up next right here on Pirate Radio Live on a Monday. Back with you after this. You're listening to Hour 3 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour of PRL is brought to you by Bud Light. Reminding Pirate fans to stay in the game and drink responsibly. Bud Light, the official beer of the ECU Pirates and proudly distributed by Carolina Eagle Distributing since 1989. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Orthopedics East and Sports Medicine has been caring for Pirate Nation and the student-athletes at East Carolina University for more than 35 years and are the official team physicians for ECU. Orthopedics East and Sports Medicine Center provides a variety of general and specialized operative and non-operative orthopedic services to meet the needs of the patients in Eastern North Carolina. For more information, call 757-2663 or visit orthoeast.com. Now let's head back into PRL. Here's Clip. Back uh, with you. Pirate Radio Live here on a Monday. Earlier today, the Brewers beat the Mets 10-0. And in that 10-0 game, while it was 10-0, Mark Canna from the Mets struck out because he didn't get in the batter's box fast enough. Uh, So he got called out on strikes. 
uh, due to a pitch clock violation. It's just still weird to see in Major League Baseball. Ump comes from behind the catcher, walks uh, around the catcher, points at the guy, does the Dame Lillard uh, hit the watch, and Canna walks back to the dugout. There you go. Great at bat. It happened three separate times during that at bat, or was that just the final strike? That was the final strike. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, so he uh, walked back to the dugout. Uh, we got a grand slam that just occurred in Chicago. Not good for P. Mace's White Sox. They now trail 11-3 to to the Giants. So the Giants just uh, piling on more runs here late in that one in the top of the ninth inning. They're off to a resounding start, too. Mm. They, are all, they are on a tear so far. The Cubbies are in uh, Cincinnati tonight to face the Reds. It'll be Twins at Marlins. The Phillies are 0-3, and they play the Yankees tonight. Phillies were uh, blanked. They were swept by the Rangers over the weekend. Rays at the Nationals. Nats coming off a win yesterday. Pirates at Red Sox. Red Sox lost opening day and then won two in a row. They play uh, Pittsburgh tonight in Fenway. It'll be the Blue Jays at Royals. 2-1 Braves versus 2-1 Cardinals tonight. Uh, as they will play on ESPN Plus, um, uh, I guess Burley should be in the lineup. Burley after what is he did. in the lineup. Awesome! So Burley will face Charlie Morton tonight, and the Braves. You can watch that on ESPN Plus. Orioles at Rangers, and we'll have some O's baseball coming your way soon, but not tonight because we have live coverage of the national championship. Tigers at Astros, Angels at Mariners, Guardians at A's. D-backs at Padres, Rockies at Dodgers. So it is a uh, Monday and everybody playing in Major League Baseball. Uh, great games going on on the Buccaneer Music Hall scoreboard presented by Da Buck. Da Buck. And our uh, coverage begins. What time's our coverage begin, Shirley? Is it after the Bailey Show or later? Yeah, 7.30 is. 7.30. Uh, our, yeah, so after the Bailey Show, we'll pick it up. 7.30, you can check out live coverage, pregame coverage of the National Championship. Spring football also going on as we talk hoops baseball and uh, we'll get some football talk in mike houston met with the media after saturday's scrimmage the second scrimmage for ecu with the spring game coming up this saturday here's what he had to say on saturday good day second scrimmage in the books um you know somewhere around 100 snaps again today uh a lot more uh like a game uh with special teams and everything and didn't really have a scripted uh field position for anything except for the two minute drill there at the end but uh, you know, had uh, had all the situations come up, which is really really good. And uh, I thought we you know, looked much sharper this week than we did last week. And I was pleased with last week, so it's a positive. Um, you know, both uh, both two minute situations there at the end, we hit the kick. Okay, so that's a, that's a positive too to be able to operate in that situation and get yourself in a situation to win the game, and then actually hit the kick to win the game. So that's a positive for our specialists. So I think overall a very positive. Uh, you know second scrimmage positive third week of practice uh, and get ready for our final week uh, and our spring game next saturday at 11 a.m uh, you brought up special teams obviously even in the off season like this it's going to be a battle between the guys yeah. how has that been and kind of iron sharpening iron for them well i mean it's they all understand what's at stake you know there's you know our our, our punting position our snapping position our holding position our, our place kicker our kickoff specialist you know every single position is up for grabs 
And it's, you know, that's why I told them today. I said, I don't want to hear anything about the wind and the weather today because it's, you know, it's tough conditions out here. We're going to find out who can operate with a little bit of adversity. And uh, so I thought that was very positive. Uh, and we had, you know, live kickoff versus live kickoff return. We had four reps of that. We had six live punts versus a live punt return. I don't know how many field goals we got, but we got several. Uh, so we got all the situations in today from a special team standpoint. Getting to simulate games out here, how have you seen the guys grow more comfortable, especially some of the new faces here? Well, I think it, it helps everybody, there's no doubt. I mean, it's just different when you get officials and you get in the stadium and the coaches aren't standing there with you. Everything's on a signal. Uh, I think it helps the quarterbacks the most uh, because you can't, you can't, you can't, you, you can try to replicate that in practice, but there's nothing like true game-like situations. And so uh, just like, you know, with both quarterbacks there in the two-minute situation, I mean, that's, that's real situations that we'll be in this fall. You know, chances to go drive and win the ball game, and you're, you know, competing. So uh, I think it, it, it helps everybody, but uh, most of all it helps our two uh, signal callers. Speaking of that, a lot of offensive, uh, new offensive pieces, and yeah. obviously quarterbacks. How has the timing gotten better for them in these game-like experiences? Because, like you said, you can't always right. replicate that. Practice. Well, I think it's getting better and better. Uh, a little disappointed in some of our drop passes today, uh, but you know, again, we had some guys make some great catches today. Uh, you know, so you got you got some guys that are really kind of separating themselves. Uh, in the receiver room, and I think that's uh, that's positive too, because you got to kind of know who your guys are going into the summer. Secondary, also some new faces there. Yep. Um, a windy day today. Were they capitalizing on that? Kind of jumping on anything early, or just? Well, we should have we should have had a pick on the first uh, snap of the scrimmage, uh, but you know our, our guys were very very aggressive. Uh, you know, I, I, I you need to go look at the film to see just how well we played or, or didn't play in the secondary, but uh, I'm sure there's some positives. Last question I have, the growth in general over the last few weeks, how has that made you feel? Well, I'm excited. I mean, it's you, you don't – I think I saw a thing the other day, 97% of our offensive produ production is uh, was out there on pro day uh, from last year. And so, you, you again, you just, you're a little unsure going into this. But uh, as you sit here three weeks in, I feel, uh, you know, very excited about our roster. Uh, you know, certainly it's not finalized yet, but uh, I feel good about the, the pieces we do have here uh, and excited to uh, see how everything finishes up next week. Mike Houston there, Garrett Short, WNCT Channel 9 there, conducting the interview after practice on Saturday. Um, all right, we need to get a break in when we return. We have a stat to consider that Shirley brought to my attention regarding Allie Burleson, and I, I have part two of that stat. So we'll leave you on a cliffhanger there. Burley, awesome game on Sunday. Uh, a little history for the Cardinals. We'll get to that, but right now we'll make you a winner. Booty, 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 booty everywhere. Booty, 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 booty everywhere. Always good to get the week started off right. And you can do that right now by being a winner. Our first show here in April. So everybody is eligible for the prize. Shirley, what are we giving away? A $15 gift card, courtesy of A.J. McMurphy. All right, A.J. is the place to be all throughout the week, but especially Wednesday nights, 8 o'clock, when we uh, have sports trivia. Looking forward to watching some baseball out there this Wednesday. We'll have some playoff hockey soon coming up later on this month, as the Hurricanes will be a part of that. And then later on, uh, some playoff basketball as well. All right, what caller are you looking for? I'm going to go with caller 8. Caller 8, 317-1250. We're back with more Pirate Radio Live on a Monday after this.
You're listening to Hour 3 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour of PRL is brought to you by Bud Light. Reminding pirate fans to stay in the game and drink responsibly. Bud Light, the official beer of the ECU Pirates and proudly distributed by Carolina Eagle Distributing since 1989. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. To get the business services that are right for your business today, contact the team of experienced local bankers at First Bank. The team includes bankers you can trust like Ashley Capps, Lee Watson, Bonner Latham, Chris Richards, Josh Hooten, and Heath Nesbitt. First Bank, together with their customers, they're creating a world where individuals and communities thrive. First Bank on Arlington Boulevard in Greenville. And congratulations to Jeff Dover of Greenville. Got a $15 gift card to A.J. McMurphy's. The best place in Greenville to unwind after work and have fun is A.J.'s. They have daily food and drink specials and an awesome patio, perfect for some outdoor dining. There's something for everyone every weeknight, including sports trivia with our very own Clip Brock on Wednesday nights. And AJ's has live music every Friday and Saturday with no cover and brunch every Sunday. Make today an AJ's day. Now let's head back in to PRL. Mm. Here's Clip. I want a buffalo chicken wrap from AJ's right now. But I reckon I'll wait till Wednesday. Are you off uh, the chicken cheesesteak train for now? No, I'm not off the train. Uh, just the mood I'm in right now. If I was going to AJ's, I would get the buffalo chicken. The buffalo chicken wrap is my delicious. mood and buds of taste could change between now and then. I'm sure they will a few times. Last week I went with nachos. The previous week I went tuna tacos. Mm. So it's just you know whatever mood I'm in. Put some stank on it. I put a little stank on it. You yeah. put a, a little bit of stank on it. And that I sure. just like that sauce. I don't know if it's sriracha, whatever it is that comes with the tuna tacos. I love that stuff. I could, I could house it, knock it back, yeah, straight to the dome. Shooter, ah, uh, stat to consider. Stat to consider. The stat, the stat to consider. Burley man Alec Burleson had three extra extra base hits yesterday, a homer and two doubles. He is just the second St. Louis Cardinal since World War II to have a game with three plus extra base hits in the first 25 games of their career that's a stat to consider i love stats like this but when i see stats like this i always wonder well give me the rest of the story who's the other guy who's the second player to do it the other player was a two-sport athlete this is before your time chandler i really doubt you get this i don't think shirley will know either but maybe it's one of two points a two sport athlete yeah he played for the uh, remember him for the cardinals but also played for the braves and the falcons it's not Deion sanders oh. and it's not he's not like a bo jackson Deion. he was a good player obviously a great athlete to play two professional pro sports but did not have the name recognition uh that those guys had uh do any of you out there know it before i say it i might just leave it hanging for a minute who is that two-sport athlete that played for, and Johnny's already got it? Um, that answer is BJ, Brian Jordan. Brian Jordan. Was part of the Braves TV broadcast, pregame, in-game, up until this year. That is correct, Johnny. Johnny also asking, will today's Brian Bailey show be on Spotify later? Can you upload that, Shirley? Sure. All right, Johnny, just for you. In fact, we'll just email it to you so you're the only one. You'll get an exclusive listen. Uh, no, yes, we will uh, update that and upload that for you so you can check out his interview with Jules Montaner 
uh, ECU DB coach who joined him on the show today. So uh, Hallie Burleson in some uh, some good company there. I was talking to Mully on Saturday, and we were looking at uh, I was looking at the box score, and I said, "Ah, oh, Burley, zero for four. Well, he didn't strike out, so he got the bat on the ball." And Mully said, "Well." I think that'd be a good day in Little League. I don't think they're looking and saying, oh, he didn't strike out. That's a good day. I'm like, Molly, I'm just saying. Man. I'm just I'm just giving you a little insight on his day. I'm just looking at the box score. Uh, he does have a low K rate, which I think is important to bring up. And I get what Molly. I wasn't like celebrating his 0 for 4 day. I was just adding a little context. I know it's not good. I agree with you, Molly. 0 for 4 is not good, uh, but didn't strike out. <laughs> I, I tell you what i had a ball yesterday because i spent most of my day with mike mullis yeah and the way he works a room controls a conversation the insight the jokes the back and forth i i, it, I couldn't imagine a better day yeah. i enjoyed my day with the mully man and he's such a great guy he came and uh, he hung out with me at the Murphy Center as I was telling people where their tables were and then left before Dale Murphy started talking. But uh, I had fun with Molly, even though he uh, likes to give you the snub every he now and then. He likes to against the grain a little bit. He is a, a, against the grainer 100%. But, um, yeah, I had fun talking to him yesterday. Asked him about Houston's field. It's like, Molly, this thing, what an eyesore. This is terrible. He was like well no it's not that bad i mean <laughs> but he did say i heard now you asked him as well yeah and i heard him say it's not the most aesthetically pleasing thing which is definitely not there's like was it a black mound it's a black there's mound, red places just around the bases and it's all i mean it's green everywhere except around the bases and home plate it just looks so fake and artificial because it's fake and artificial um but he said down there in houston like with the droughts the heat and everything you know how much money would you spend what would their grass look like it'd be like yellow dead all the time yeah brown and he he said you know if he was running an organization had a team had a decision making process to go grass or turf and he i think he was saying anywhere in the world anywhere here in the states he would go turf just because of the the upkeep and the money you spend with natural grass so i don't know it it definitely doesn't look right it's and we've talked to the players about it if we're able to get them on wednesday on the players lounge i'll ask them about it again but it uh i don't know it just looks completely different than what we see at clark leclerc stadium yeah and when it comes to that stuff um you know in sports i'm more of a traditionalist i guess i want there to be real grass and real dirt and um the panther like I didn't know it was going to bother bother me when they announced it, but when the Panthers switched from real turf to artificial turf, uh, and watching a few games now for about two or three years now that they've had it, I just I don't like the way it looks. I just I don't know. I just it's, it looks fake and artificial because yeah. it's fake and artificial. Yeah. And players players don't like it. Shaq Tom Shaq Thompson, uh, the longest tenured uh, Panther currently on the team. Uh, he talks about how much he hates playing on it. It's like playing on concrete. He said sometimes. Well, so it's not their decision. It's they, not. It's, they play it's not, in yeah. a uh, a soccer team stadium. So yeah. they and it, it and it was also David Tepper wanting you know 
you don't have to worry about tearing up grass whenever they, they want more concerts. They yeah. want concerts there, and so you know. Yeah. I was joking, by the way, saying that that main stadium is for soccer. It should be for football, but they did go turf and change some of the seating too, right? For the they've soccer got like stuff. a lounge in one of the end zones. Yeah, they've got like a little VIP lounge or whatever. So yeah, there's been some changes. Speaking of being a traditionalist, I hated Saturday seeing the nationals wearing their city connect which are like dark grays yeah. and the braves wearing their dark blues and they all they like look the same and man i that's that's my one real old man sports take baseball team should wear white on white at home gray on gray on the road i, I agree with the is it the city on the road and your nickname at home it is the, I remember growing up watching Nationals. That's what they wore. Braves they, at home on the white, and then Atlanta gray on the road. Yeah. Um, Nationals had Washington in cursive, or maybe it was Nationals uh, on the road uniform. I used to like that. So I, I, I'm kind of there with you on that when it comes to like old school jersey. doesn't bother me as much in other sports, but it does in, uh, in baseball for whatever in reason. In football, it doesn't bother me as much, but in football, like the Panthers' first four or five home games – they wear white yeah i don't i've never liked wearing white at home and washington grew when i grew up wore white at home they were one of the few teams to do it and i liked it and uh it was an eyesore for me when they started wearing colored uniforms at home yeah so but they were one of the few teams to wear the whites at home uh fascinating discussion i know let's take our final break we'll come back get ready to wrap it up here on a monday edition of pirate radio live we are back with you after these words You're listening to Hour 3 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour of PRL is brought to you by Bud Light. Reminding Pirate fans to stay in the game and drink responsibly. Bud Light, the official beer of the ECU Pirates and proudly distributed by Carolina Eagle Distributing since 1989. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. It was a mixed day for the stock market today. The Dow was up 327 points and closed at 33,601. The NASDAQ, however, dropped 32 points, finished at 12,189, and the S&P rose 15 points at 4,124. That's your Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Report. For a personal look into investing, call Wells Fargo Advisors today at 756-6900 in Greenville. Wells Fargo Advisors, LLC, member SIPC. Now back to the show. Oh, Here's gonna... Clip. Oh, okay. I didn't know if you were going to say my name or not. That is Shirley Rose, Chandler Honeycutt here also on a Monday, and we'll be back with you Tuesday, 3 o'clock, for an all-new edition of Pirate Radio Live. Thanks to John Rosengren. Enjoyed my conversation with him. Uh, his book, The Greatest Summer in Baseball History, regarding the 73 season. It was a fun chat with him. Also, you heard LRB one-on-one with Dale Murphy. Brian Bailey joined us, as well as Bryce Harmon. Back with you on Tuesday. Mike Schwartz will join us at 3 o'clock, so tune in to hear from the head basketball coach of the Pirates. We'll talk to you again Tuesday at 3 on an all-new edition of Pirate Radio Live. Jeff Charles, take us home. Have a great night, Eastern Carolina. Thanks for listening to Pirate Radio Live, an exclusive presentation of the voice of the Pirate Nation.